Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust Morebeer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Craft brewers, beer lovers, beer drinkers. Get ready for an all-new experience in information exchange and beer culture. Your only source source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers from around the globe right to your home. You're not just listening to broadcasters. It's the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Brewing Network Sunday Show. It's the original and only official brewcast. Don't let all the articles you're reading fool you. There's only one place that you find brewcasters, and that's on the Brewing Network. Am I right, Doc? Awesome. Yeah, we're right here in the studio. The rest are just silly imposters trying to do the funny stuff that you do, Doc. Right. I know. You can't do it. They don't have the Vinny Puppet. That's right. The first article that got written up uh, uh, about us, the only thing I was disappointed about is that they called brew, they called all the other ones brewcasts too. They called it brewcasting. And god damn it, we coined the phrase brewcasting. No, no. Those duck. are maybe webcasts. Correct. Where they're the they're not even web, they're podcasts, yes. Oh. But they're certainly not brewcasts. They, they, they could be brewcasts if they want to pay me for the name. Then they can all be brewcasts. I'd be happy to sell out. <laughs> Just that easy. That huh? would be fine. Joining us in the studio to do our brewcast with us today is the great Jamil Zaina Chef. Welcome, Jamil. Hey, how you doing? Back from across the pond. Yeah, that's right. Long trip you had, huh? Long trip, lots of great beer. What was it, three weeks away or something? Yeah, it was like uh, 18, 19 days. That's great, man. Did you get that little... Uh, Fiat or what the hell you were expecting to drive the, around there? The three-wheel Peugeot. Yeah, did you end up with that? <laughs> no, no. You know, they must have saw me coming, uh, you know, the big American with the big American family, and they gave me the big American Ford. Did they really? <laughs> the Ford uh, Mon- Monturdo or whatever it was. Is it still a compact car? It wasn't a big, like a giant one, right? No, it, it was big for over there. People would look at it and go, oh, it's a big car. You know, It's, <laughs> it's like the same length as like an, an Audi A6. It must be the American yeah, but I'll tell you, that bad boy, it, it did just fine on the Autobahn. You put did that it? pedal all the way down, a good old American steel. Yeah, <laughs> right down the road. Fast just and that, straight. Get the hell out of my way. Yeah. And uh, how fast did you go on the Autobahn? 
was your top uh, is there a speed limit i don't know <laughs> i wasn't really paying attention i pushed the pedal down and, and until went. the family screamed i i went now isn't it great that uh, they somehow know how to follow the rules of the road and actually get like move over to the right lane when you come speeding up on the left some of them were a little little slack in getting over because the american really? beast maybe i was coming Tourist. up a little too fast i don't know they just saw that Ford emblem in the rearview mirror, and they said, fuck that guy. Exactly. <laughs> what was that? Or the French license plates, I think, that did. Yeah. Oh, that'll oh, get you. Oh, now I know why. <laughs> did you go to France, too? Went to France. Uh, we, we flew into London, spent yeah. some time in London, having some great beer. Went to France, uh, spent some time in Paris. Okay. Uh, Bruges in Belgium. Okay. Uh, Rotterdam and Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Then went to Dusseldorf, Cologne. Uh, Sankt Gore and Trier in Germany, okay. and then back into Belgium uh, to Brussels. Gotcha. But but it wasn't a beer trip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was well, a family okay. trip. <laughs> now look, I went to Paris. Okay, <laughs> right. so it's okay. not just a beer trip. That's true. And uh, you know, Paris is is lovely, and France is lovely, but mm-hmm. it's really not a beer culture. And no, it's uh, not. The Netherlands are are great, and I have a lot of good friends in the Netherlands. I love that, but again, not not a beer culture, but. You know, okay. so my consumption at those places was somewhat low. Yeah. But I really made up for it in London, Belgium, and Germany. Okay. Really kind of. Well, hold on to those stories because we're going to talk all about it when we come back from the 530 break. And we want to hear about where you went and what you tasted and what was good and what wasn't. Of course, Danielle is with us today, too. How are you today, Danielle? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Chat room looking good already? It's looking fine. They get a song for you. They getting surly in there. Daniela's theme song. What? They're singing Fast and Much Buzz? What are they saying? Oh, they're singing Fast and Much Buzz. Handiwork. <laughs> what kind of? They're just singing about handiwork? Handiwork is fun. What is snip snap snip snap? Nothing. It's like you make the sound of a scissors. Snip ah. snap with your scissors. So it's Why, like, a, it's what, like a kid's song. What the heck? You know, this is like something Lupa sent you, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, Oz. It must be Oz, yeah. Oz told me to go find this. <laughs> this is like the techno version, though, isn't it? <laughs> it is a pretty fancy version. <laughs> your new theme music. That's enough, thanks. No, I prefer my old song. The Nazi song? Yeah. <laughs> you haven't played that in a long time for me. Yeah, maybe I'll get that for you later. That would be great. Right now, Either the Nazi song or the titties and beer. Okay. <laughs> I'll look for both. <laughs> maybe do that later. We do have a great show planned for you today, of course. We've got Peter Zine. Jamil, is that how he does his last name? Zine or Zine? Yes. It Zine. is Zine, I thought mm-hmm. so. Uh, Peter Zine from Alesmith is going to join us and help us do the pro show. Today is the official pro show. Now, we've touched on this subject a couple times just with, with random guests and, and talked about it in a minimalist form, but we're actually going to do a whole show about how to go from home brewer to pro brewer today. And we're going to find out all about Alesmith, of course, and what they do as a brewery and how long they've been around and find out the history of Peter because... Peter's one of these guys who was in homebrewing for a long time before he went pro, won a bunch of awards. The way he described it to me is that he was on the Jameel plan for a few years where he just brewed like mad, like as much as he possibly could, and uh, and did that whole thing and really got into brewing and then ended up uh, a pro brewer. And now he owns his own place, which is Ale Smith down in San Diego there, and he's going to talk to us all about how to make that move. So we'll be getting him on the phone right about 6 o'clock after we do our tasting. Yeah, I know there's a lot of guys out there that want to go pro. Yeah. Uh, a couple of guys in our uh, homebrew club have done that. Did a great success. Is that right? Yeah. Who? Um, 
Now you're getting me here. Sorry. <laughs> it just was an interesting that because I wonder if I know any of those guys who used to be in the club. No, and it, was before, it was before your time. And do any of them own their own place now? No. Too? Uh, um, no. Mm. But they're moving up that way. So. Gotcha. Well, I think that's how you have to start. You, of course, got to brew for somebody and, and, and make sure you know the ropes before you dump all your money into a big place. But we'll let Peter tell us all about that and, and find out. So that's right after our tasting. Which, by the way, today is Bellhaven Wee Heavy. A good one we got to taste today, huh, guys? Should be all right. You ever had that, Doc? Yep. Yeah? Yep. It's not one of my favorite brews to go to, but okay. uh, um, I'm, I'm not going to turn it down. I had it once a long time ago, and I liked it. I thought it was a good one. And some of the listeners were telling me already it's one of their favorites. They were happy we're tasting it, as long as they could go find it. Oz couldn't, because... Uh, uh, he's, they're in like the third world over there in Australia. They don't have things like that. Well, he made a list of stuff that he can get. We might want to pick Fosters, one Fosters, and Fosters. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Victoria Bitter. Yeah. <laughs> we put that list on the ignore list. <laughs> That's what we did. No, there's actually a couple of things that might be worth tasting that he had on the list. So We will I want to throw him a bone. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll help out the Australians with some other tastings. But today it is Bellhaven, so get those ready if you, if you went out and bought them. And we'll be doing that at 6 o'clock. We'll do our tasting for you and then get Peter talking all about how to, how to be a Pro Brewer. So you can send your questions right now to Daniela. You can call in 888-401-BEER if you want to ask them yourself. Of course, go to the chat room and join all the other fellow homebrewers in there hanging out and making fun of each other, and uh, and Daniela's yawning. So, I'm uh, suffering from the lost hour still. Oh, it's either that or I'm suffering from the medication you gave to me last night. Yeah, the roofie? Yeah. <laughs> Two roofies, even. Yeah. The roofie he just colada. came up, swallow yeah. these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look like you don't feel good. Take these. <laughs> you're, just in, you're supposed to slip it in without her knowing it. That's half the fun. I'm such I'm such a terrible sneaky. I'm not good at being sneaky. So just eat the damn roofie. Yeah, eat the roofie. Oh, look at the roofie's got your name on it, honey. <laughs> Daniela has some serious uh, allergic reaction to ver- to various things, cats, um, fish, Tuna. bad beer, and uh, by serious, it's not. She doesn't just like puff up and get itchy eyes. She like stops breathing. <laughs> so, yeah, that's frowned upon. Yeah. So we had to pump her full of Benadryl last night. Oh, cool. To keep that from happening. We were having poker night and I won. Just well, before you passed out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I passed out meanwhile and Justin uh, lost and I woke up again and he said, can I play with your chips? And I said, no. <laughs> so so, I, so wait a minute. This, this is confusing. So you, you poker as in cards. I yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was playing with her chips, so we were playing chips, poker. Poker. Yeah, she won. Yeah. Hundred rupees. Bucks. She took, and yeah. she took them uh, from a couple of brewers. As a matter yeah, of fact. Yeah. As a matter of fact. We went to. Uh, I went to a Firkin festival yesterday, Berkeley, at um, Triple Rock Brewery down there in Berkeley. Had their first annual Firkin festival. So breweries from all over the place brought in one firkin each of whatever beer they wanted to do. Doc, what's a firkin for the folks at home that don't know? The firkin, the not the spile. Well, it's it's like a keg. It's a small keg. Yeah, it's a ten gallon keg, and a pin is five gallons, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's gravity fed. You don't pump it full of CO2. You, well, you, uh, it's you how they serve cast yeah. conditioned beers. There's, no, there's no positive pressure on it. So right, it comes right through. So they were hoping that we finished them all that day so that they didn't, A, have to take them home, and B, yep. they just get all oxidized and stuff from uh, letting in the new yep. O2 as it drains out. Well, then it's good they had you there. It was good. And I, as I left, there were only two firkins left out of, I, I'm going to say 50, I think, were there. There was really a lot and tons of people there. It was packed. I was a little claustrophobic. So did you get a, a firkin while. shirt? I didn't get a firkin shirt, no. <laughs> I just went to the firkin fest and... Uh, did not go away with a shirt. But it was very cool, and uh, lots of brewers were hanging out there. We saw Roger from Drake's, and he's one of the guys we played poker with. And 
We saw Sean O'Sullivan down there. And Wavy. Saw Wavy. Wavy is a guy, he's going to be on the show, I'm hoping. He works at Two Rivers Cider Company. So when we do the cider show, Two Rivers is our guest, and he's one of the brewers there. He's awesome. He's a funny guy. Doc, you and Wavy, his name is <laughs> name is actually Davey, but they call him Wavy Davey. Wavy Davey. And you guys are going to get along real good. He rocks out to nothing but the Grateful Dead. Oh, cool. And uh, he's just a, he's a lot of fun. He was he was wrecked. When we, I when took we his saw. money. Yeah, Danielle took his money. So cool guys like that. And then, of course, Christian, he's the brewer and owner of Triple Rock. He was very nice and... Um, you know, said he had heard good things about the show since he'd been on, stuff like that. So that was fun. It was good. And good beer. Did you watch him tap the bung? I didn't. I was uh, too late to watch the bung be tapped. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird, because usually they don't tap the bung till late. But in the beer industry, you tap the bung early yeah. and uh, get that thing ready to go. Well, yeah, you usually wait till they're all hammered and drunk to <laughs> tap the bung. Yeah, exactly. With a, with a smile. Uh, so that was the Firkin Festival, and it's very cool. Down there at Triple Rock, and good place, and lots of good beer. And we ended up playing poker with brewers after that, and Daniela took all their money, so. With Good smi- for you. With a smile on her face. Yeah. <laughs> and a smile on Justin's face. Yeah, because I lost. And uh, these guys, the drunk guys, were just, they kept buying in again and again. So the pot just kept going up. And uh, I was like, man, please win this damn thing. Well, you didn't say, let me rephrase. You better win that fucking money back. Yeah, it was something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I see the whole thing. You, like, suck them in with losing all your money, Justin. Make mm-hmm. them bet big. And yeah, because yeah. they think, oh, this chick's not going to beat me. <laughs> But, uh, they were fun, though. Yeah. Awesome people, really. It was a lot I of fun. I like those brewers. Yeah. Oh, my God. You've got mail. Kick ass. Good feedback this week. I had to weed some of it out, even. Uh, a lot of it was... Uh, people have really liked our shows the past month, Doc. Oh, good. Yeah, ever since the... Which show do they usually talk about? Gino from El Toro. They said that since yeah. the Gino from El Toro, we've really been on a home run every week. Every guest has been really good, and we've been putting on good shows. And I got lots of emails about that, and people just thanking us and saying, "Good work, you know, thanks for all that you guys do." And that was cool. I weed, I had to weed some of them out because we don't just want to sit here and and read all the praise. So I I took. (laughs) Sometimes we do. You're right, but I do have a little bit of it, and I got a couple of questions, and uh, we'll do that. A couple of uh, pieces of feedback here. This one is from our only Asian listener, he says. <laughs> so now, so we have Token, of course, who's our only black listener. Yep. And uh, now we've got our only Asian listener, and he, he wrote to us. And I, he's actually in Japan. And he says, thank you, thank you, thank you. Once again, you've put up the archive just after the show, and that's awesome. I'm in the same or same-ish time zone as Oz. I'm in Japan. I listen to the show all too much, several times per show for the good ones. I actually consider putting a headphone to my wife's belly while she's asleep so that our our yet unborn child will have a leg up on the homebrew. I like that. That's a compliment. I'll be doing the same. I really do appreciate your work when you're drinking and not feeling too worky to put up the archive for us podcast listeners. And, hey, that's cool. I'm happy to do it. And he's right. Sometimes we'll have a, a couple too many on the show, and I certainly don't want to come back here and do the archive. But lately, I forced myself to do it. Well, you're sitting on the couch watching Sopranos mm-hmm. and peel yourself right back off that couch and come in here and do it. That's right. Right when it ends. I don't watch that uh, show about polygamy that's on after the sopranos which i would like to watch by the way <laughs> i get up and i come here and do the archive so happy to do it for you guys he says that's the bulk of the letter to say thank you but a bit extra he wants us to know the world of homebrew over there is difficult in japan he says i've ordered a couple of boxes from the states luckily customs hasn't bothered to tax me for importing taxable amounts of stuff i just made it to the localish homebrew store today 
and they're actually closed on Saturdays and Sundays. Stuff is extraordinarily expensive, and while the lady owner is great, her advice is poor. I asked her for star sand, and she said, use bleach. (laughs) Great advice, lady. Thank you for your advice. The show, I've been reviewing the archives. He said it's improved a lot and likes what we're doing with the music and the intros and outros and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, very cool. Said he wants to send us some beer, but he's worried about violating the international shipping laws. Just don't put a return address. That's and, right. And use gloves. They won't catch him. No man. fingerprints, man. So, that's cool. All the way over there in Japan, hanging out with us and getting good information because his homebrew shop isn't giving it to him. Let's see, another one here says, uh, Hey, BNers, just wanted to drop a line and give my support. Been brewing for over a year now, and your show has drastically improved my brewing. My brother, who is a far superior brewer than I, was talking to me last night about how he is thinking of switching to the Star Sand brand. And I almost jumped up and shouted, You listen too? Uh-huh. Turns out he's been a long-time listener and has even submitted music to the show. And I was so pumped, didn't even know it. So his quick question, though, is, is using a normal refrigerator without a temperature regulator okay enough for making lagers? I had a batch in my refrigerator, and the temperature moved around more than I would have liked. How much does this affect the beer? Thanks so much for all the laughs and information. So what do you think, guys? He's just using a regular fridge. Depends on depends on the refrigerator. Well, yeah, but they, they all tend to swing too much for, for brewing lagers properly. But, yeah. you know, if, if that's what you got, it's gonna uh, good enough, you know. Yeah, it's uh, better than putting it on the porch, right? Yeah, and, and you know, he, uh, yeah, you know, it, ideally you want it fairly steady for a lager. How many degree swing is too much? Well, those fridges, they'll swing like five degrees. And that's too much. Yeah, that, that starts to get excessive, but... You know, the liquid will stay fairly stable. That's uh, all right. If you wanted to stay, if you really wanted to do it right and he could control it, what would you stay within? One degree? That would be the ideal yeah, situation? a couple of degrees. A couple of degrees is okay. It's not that hard when you got a big bulk of liquid because it doesn't yeah. want to change very fast. Yeah. Uh, but when you're doing uh, temperature controlled and you have a thermal well, yeah. it, it right. actually takes it off of the off the liquid. Right. And you can't do that with just the refrigerator. But he could then maybe just have a temperature control that's in the liquid and see if his refrigerator is actually, if the liquid's changing that much. But the the thing with the refrigerators is they have a a pretty pretty big uh, differential because you tend to open them. You know, they're used for people to open them and stand there and look in the things. And so they, they tend to allow them to swing quite a bit before they turn on again. So when they're closed all the time, as a fermenter would be, they tend to get a little too warm, and the, the wort tends to, or the beer tends to, to warm up a little bit. Okay. And then cool down, warm up and cool down. Eh. But, okay. you know, uh, I, 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 how's the beer turning out? Yeah. yeah. You know, it tastes good? Fine. Don't worry about it. I mean, it's, it's it. a good place to start. Yeah. You know, if you're going to try one and you haven't done it yet, go for it. Yeah. Uh, it, it'll still be pretty decent beer. It, it right. might not be the killerest lager out there, but... Uh, it'll be pretty good, and all you got to do is get a temperature controller after that. So okay. kind of work your way up. Okay. All right. Good answer, I think. All right. Last bit of, of, of feedback here. We got another uh, anonymous Jamil, which is right. going awesome. to be weird to read it while Jamil's in the studio. I, I feel <laughs> very watch, uncomfortable. Better watch I, his I've face. I've been here to, uh, for him before. Oh, you have? Yeah. I, di- I didn't remember. Yeah. I guess I just ignored you that day. I love anonymous Jamil. Pope Jamil sent one in. Odd that Anonymous Jamil didn't write while he was away in Europe, uh, but amazing. now that he's back, we get I get one in my inbox. There was one. There was one while I was in Europe. 
There was, I listened to the archive already. Mm, I'm very forgetful today. Well, no, that was a Vinnie Poppet one. Yeah. No, there angry was, there was a, a, a very angry... Oh, that's right. There was. Jamil it was Wallace a really Wallace angry Wallace. one. Well, maybe they're just trying to throw you off. Mm-hmm. They're always trying to throw me off. Well, here we go. Uh, another angry one from Pope Jamil. Justin, you no-talent hack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he speaks the truth. <laughs> On a lot of levels. For one... <laughs> For once, I agree with you. Who is that sorry oh. jerk-off that thinks Five Star is a scam? There's nothing as wonderful as Star Sand. As a matter of fact, as I write this email, I'm at the Vatican soaking in a nice candlelit tub of it right now. I like the way the bubbles make me feel special. <laughs> the bubbles make me feel special. Uh, of course, Pope Jamil is referring to the rant last week about the guy who didn't like Star Sand. <laughs> He lost his love. Excuse me. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I enjoy a good star sand bath. Oh. Clearly. I love a Jamil. Tickles his balls. Yeah. <laughs> Cleans all his naughty parts. <laughs> he goes on to say, and PBW is great too. A little on my cornflakes in the morning helps keep my ass clean and smooth with each bowel movement. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to ask Charlie about that next time he's it. on. See if that's yeah, give it a try, Jess. Yeah, I'm not do sure it. It's fine. Yeah, why not? <laughs> However, I'm pissed off again about the Jamil show. Once again, Doc sounded like he was clean and sober. What happened? Did the goats get into the cousin patch on his farm and eat up all his goods? <laughs> <laughs> Doc does have goats. <laughs> it may have happened. And what the heck happened to Chicken Boy on the Sunday show? Is he too important to bother and come in anymore, or is he sick? Did he finally succumb to the chicken's disease? Not that he has anything intelligent to say, but at least his (laughs) ignorant drivel is entertaining. Similar to watching the most special child in the Special Olympics. (laughs) Well, I guess Chris Graham has been doing a good job filling in. Chris sounds like he would be running neck and neck with Chicken Boy in the Special Olympics. (laughs) Oh, man. Angry. And let's not forget the Rub Meat Show, which continues to be an embarrassment. Let me quote a famous line from Full Metal Jacket. The only things on the Lunch Meat Show are steers and queers, and you guys don't sound like steers to me. Lovingly. Pope Jimmy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Scathing. Another uh, a great appearance great. from Jamil. <laughs> what can you do? What can you do? How about a little news? I got a couple of news stories here, and then we'll get to break and come back and start talking to Jamil about his European trip and uh, his apparent bubble baths at the Vatican. So well, how about the biggest news of the week first? Uh, go ahead. You're an uncle. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I think I mentioned it in the forum. Yeah. That's right. Congratulations to my brother and his wife. They had yes. their first child together. Yes. <laughs> Very modern thing to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, little little baby boy, seven pounds or something. Yeah, but don't he's about, Tell him about the coolest part. The coolest part is that uh, my brother, uh, my brother and I are real close. He's good friends, and... Uh, he named his child after me. The child's name is Justin Waters Crosley. And, which is uh, great. Which is pretty much, uh, all kidding aside, it's a huge honor when someone, oh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. your, your brother names their kid after you. That's it's something big. else. And, uh, yeah, I cried like a sissy ass so when he told me. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that's cool. It's very cool. And they're back east, so I'm, I'm really hoping to get there soon and see the kid now. And I thought they would have named him Justin 
you know, tell Sissy Hack. <laughs> <laughs> That's the nickname. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's well, cool. Con- I want to say congratulations, too, to them. I'm really, really happy. Absolutely. I cried, too, like a baby for three days. Good for them. Good for them. And uh, they're very happy. My brother uh, deserves it. Uh, you know, a little over a year ago, my brother, uh, he's only, he's 30 now. He was 29 at the time. He actually had a stroke, and uh, they didn't know what was going to happen. They found a big hole in his heart. Uh, just kind of, a ra- he had a hole in his heart since he, was a ki- since he was a baby. It was a birth defect. They just never knew about it. And then one day he had a stroke. And um, a big mess, no insurance, all kinds of things like that, and it really w- wasn't looking good there for a while. And and here they are, uh, you know, One a year, year a year later, and they they got a, a healthy baby boy with them. And my brother's doing well too, and everybody's okay. It's so, great. Yeah, cool thing there. So congratulations to them. Real happy. About Best that. news of the week to yeah. me. Now, speaking of good news, uh, a report from Belgium says a Belgian organization is encouraging school children to drink light ale instead of sweet fizzy drinks. I like this stuff, Doc. You know that. (laughs) The Luvian beer therapists say low-alcohol beer would be healthier for children than pop, reports to Telegraph. Spokesperson Anne Frankie said she was given beer at school as a child and called for a return to the old ways. A light alcoholic beer is far healthier than soft drinks, which are often too sweet, she said. Why don't schools put a bottle of light beer on the table anymore like they used to do? Uh. But the demand was criticized by Belgian dietitians who said children should not be encouraged to drink alcohol. Well, Did I do this story already? No, you didn't. Because it's from the same website. You can go to Ananova.com. I guess I read something, some other really good story from them last week, and people wanted to know the website name. There was a story about the spa, the beer spa. Ah, the beer spa. Yeah. Well, Ananova, bringing it strong. There you go. <laughs> so no, I, You didn't read that one before. What do you think about that, Doc? Oh, it's... Just don't tell them it's alcohol, and they, you won't have that mental stigma going with it. But uh, as far as their teeth go, yeah, the beer is a lot better for them. Better for their teeth. And most of the health things say, all, all kidding aside and all of my philandering I do about the whole thing, but it really says that in very moderate amounts, alcohol is good for the heart and good for, for the blood flow and things like that. And I'm wondering, I like what you say, Doc, if you don't put the beer label on it, you know, maybe not tell them that it's beer so that you're not encouraging drinking necessarily. Right. It, I'm thinking that there is something to the argument that it's healthier than soda. I mean, soda is not a good thing in any way, shape, or form. No, it's not. There are no health benefits whatsoever. Yeah, they, they've talked about uh, taking the soda machines out of the school, and, and I've talked to the superintendent before, yeah. and he says it doesn't help because the parents just send it in lunch. Right. Well, and, and they get paid a bunch of money from those soda Well, they do, too, too, but uh, it's the... the the pH is so low and the sugar content so high that it's just nasty on their teeth. Mm. Not to mention, you know, what it's doing to their body, too. Yeah. Well, I'm with these guys, Doc, and I'm going to jump on the Feed Kids beer wagon. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put it with my shirt, Let Stupid People Die. The next shirt will be Feed Kids Beer. Put a nipple on that bottle? <laughs> yeah. Go for it. All right. An interesting story coming out of Anheuser-Busch this week. Go figure. Anheuser-Busch, whose empire is built on Bud and Bud Light, is test marketing its first organic beer in the North Bay, Santa Barbara, and six other smallish cities around the country. It's a lager that goes by Wild Hop, and it's being cold-brewed at the St. Louis-based company's Fairfield plant, which is right up near us, in case you guys don't know. There is a big Budweiser plant here. I drive by it a lot. A second organic beer, Stone Mill Pale Ale, is also being brewed at Anheuser-Busch's Red Hook Brewery in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and will be here shortly. The two represent Big Beer's first foray into the organic market. 
Like Walmart's recent decision to go big time into organic food, Anheuser-Busch's move obliterates any doubt that the organic is now mainstream and big business. People who might buy Wild Hop and Stone Mill are more affluent, highly educated, more high-end shoppers who buy organic, says Patrick McCauley, a vice president for product development at the St. Louis headquarters. I'm not describing a Bud Light drinker, he says. I'm describing a new customer. I like that he just called all the Bud Light drinkers idiots and that everyone who's (laughs) going to drink the organic brew is real smart. Like he basically said that in a roundabout way. Well, yeah, don't, don't put it down because it's made by them. They can do it right. They, yeah. They knew how to do it. They used to have a, a beer called Pacific Ridge. Right. I remember that beer. Uh, it was awesome. It was, it tasted like Sierra Nevada. Mm. It was clean, well done, and, you know, about 50 cents less a six pack. Well, go, it's, go an figure. Inter- it's an interesting point. Uh, I was talking to one of the reps from Stone Brewing yesterday at the Firkin Festival, and he was talking about how, you know, big guys have done this before, not organic beers, but have done the microbrews before, and a lot of times they turn out real bad. And his argument was, I, I really don't understand, actually, when they turn out bad, because he said, I, no, not one person on this planet can argue to me that those guys are bad brewers, because they're no, amazing they're brewers, and we've talked about that before. And he did bring up a good point that they're ones that have come out that are bad, he kind of wonders why they're like if it's almost deliberate or if it's in just that they that they their mass production processes that end up diluting it or whatnot. Because you're right, why wouldn't all, even their microbrew types be absolutely amazing? Well, I think maybe the suits had too much to do with it. They, I they, agree. Yeah, they yeah. They, they, they you know the brewers wanted to do something and the suits got in and, yeah. and yeah. just kind of. Squash the whole they, thing. they got the best brewing scientists around. That's right. so. And that's they, what I'm saying. And I'm thinking, you know, cost got in the way. And no, no, the, no yeah. I think I think the marketing guys got into it. Yeah. So we can't go out that far. You need to dumb it, dumb it down and get more back into what we're all about. Right. Uh, they've got more money, more equipment. They've got the smart guys brewing for them, too. Right. It's, it's not hard. It's not easy to... Uh, do what they do every day, day in and day out, get the same product to come on out. So they know what they're doing. They do. They absolutely do. Well, it does say this. Um, like most microbrews, the organic beers are priced a couple dollars more per six-pack than Bud Light. Seven ninety nine for the Wild Hop and eight forty nine for the Stone Mill Pale Ale. Well, when you put some hops in there, it's going to cost you a little more. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. <laughs> The packaging, now this is the interesting part, uh, and here's your marketing guys at work too. The packaging offers no clues that it's a Budweiser relative. Nowhere does it say Anheuser-Busch. Instead it says Green Valley Brewing Company, a newly created business name. Which, look at, alright, so they're doing an organic beer, and they gotta come up with a name. How generic is it to call it the Green Valley Brewing Company? These guys are real smart. I don't think the Pacific Ridge said anywhere on it that it was uh, Anheuser-Busch either. Yeah, I don't um, think so. I was taking a course at the Brewers Guild, and they're the ones that told me. Okay. Otherwise, I don't think I would have known either. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, they also say the marketing strategy is deliberately low-key. There will be no Bud Light-style barrage of TV commercials, according to Magali. The company plans to depend on in-store displays and word of mouth, plus a donation to the Organic Farming Research Foundation in Santa Cruz to drum up publicity. So hot chicks in flannel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So my prediction is that'll last about... Six months? Maybe, yeah, maybe a year or two, and then it won't exist anymore. Yeah, they'll give up because it won't it won't be gaining thirty percent growth, which is what they know, want, right? To, per to quarter type of thing. Yeah, it's just no. The, that's not going to be enough money for them. The numbers guys are going to get in there and say, eh, "Let's just stick with what we know." 
Well, they do name in the article a few of the micros that have been doing organic for a while. Eel River says it's just one of the handful of American microbreweries who are bottling organic beer for the retail market, including Butte Creek Brewing Company in Chico, Wallivers in Vermont, and North Coast Brewing Company in Fort Bragg. Popular organic imports include Coopers from Australia and Samuel Smith from England, which is interesting to me. I did not realize Samuel Smith had an organic beer. Well, they beer. left out bison. And that's what I, uh, that's exactly what I was going to point out. They did, you know, they just mentioned a couple of them. We've had Bison Brewery yeah. out of, out of Berkeley. And the interesting thing about, about Bison is that they don't do one organic beer. All of their beers and, and, are organic. And they make sure that not just some of the ingredients are organic. He's going to try to get as many as he can, if not all of them, to be organic. Yeah, correct. Well, it does mention that in order to be certified organic, uh, 95% of the ingredients have to be organic. So that leaves 5%, and that 5% is mostly related to hops because organic hops are very difficult to find. It says that a lot of them have to be imported from New Zealand. And a lot of the brewers, the small guys, uh, Eel River, for example, is 100% organic. So even their hops are, are doing so, while Wild Hop from from Budweiser is only 95%, which is the bare minimum. And they use all non-organic hops. Butte Creek uses some non-organic hops to perverse its taste. And Bison even said that they have to use inorganic hops. Once in a while, hops. yeah, he says it's difficult to get when, when he needs what he needs. Yeah. So. An interesting foray. You know, what happens uh, every time the big guys do this sort of thing, and especially everybody knows that the craft beer market's been growing, uh, you know, I think it's 9% in the last two years, which is just a great, great number. Every time the big guys jump into this sort of thing, they not only add credibility to the craft beer market, if you ask me, because now they're saying, hey, we got to do this thing too. It really means something. They're also spending the big dollars on marketing it that the small guys can't. So I'm thinking if I'm a small guy, I'm applauding every time Budweiser, one of these guys, jumps into it because they got the dollars to spend marketing it, and it's really going to bleed over back into the microbrews anyway, isn't it? Well, I'm wondering if they're just going to be diluting their own dollars. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to be pulling probably from a lot of the craft brews as much as they're going to be pulling from you know the Bud Miller Coors guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like Justin's saying, I think the, the great thing is it's going to have an uplift on the entire segment. So, mm-hmm. you know, any you know, competition is great yeah. for for whatever market you're in. More competitors you can get, spending more ad dollars gets more people interested and yeah. grows well, your it's, segment. It's all about all the alcohol intake. So when wine's down, usually beers up or cocktails, yeah. whatever. For a while there it was cocktails, probably for the last Four or five years, probably. Yeah, a lot, a lot. and that's still on the rise. Yeah, it Those is. Some alternatives the, that they're on the rise. That's Alco pops are doing yeah. quite well. Yeah, and all and a lot of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the vodkas that are out there. Yeah, the, you know, the, the small makers of vodkas and stuff. Everybody's kind of going into those, so it's more yeah. you know that kind of market. But when, so one's got to go up and down. It's yeah, like, it's not where we're making people drink more, or we're not making more drinkers out there. It's sure, whatever's shifting around. I and think. it is a trendy market in general. You know, uh, one time they got, you know, one year the 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 market that's usually going for craft beer is 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 going for wine, and then a couple years later it goes right back to craft beer. What is interesting though is that for two years now in a row, uh, maybe maybe a little more than two years, craft beer has been on the rise and has seen a big rise, even as spirits are on the rise too, whereas the big guys are not losing but have been completely level, have had a zero percent increase in the in particularly in in this last fiscal year, and I'm not and I think it was a a little more than zero in the previous year, so. 
they're not nervous about losing money. They're a bit nervous that everyone else is growing but them. Right. So, and I'm sure that that's going to be a big topic up in Seattle. And I think that's in two weeks from now or a week and a half from now when they do the big craft beer conference up there. Uh, there's going to be a lot of talk about how the industry is on the rise and it's all, it's looking very bright for craft beer. So, just real interesting. I thought Bud jumping into the organic beer bit, man. They try everything they can. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Jamil all about Europe and then what happened over there. Get some good beer names out of you, I'm sure, right, Jamil? Oh, yeah. All right, cool. We'll be right back. It's the Brewing Network. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. The Brewcaster. Brewcaster on the Brewing Network. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the Sunday Show. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Sunday, yeah. Sunday, Sunday. The great Jamil Zanishef co-hosting with us today, and of course we have Doc hey, and Daniela hanging out. Jamil brought beer. Yeah, what'd you bring? Uh, my Bach. Nice. And he's leaving the keg here. Yep, I, I brewed Ooh. 10 gallons, so I could leave 5 gallons here. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. How yeah. is it, Danielle? I haven't had it yet. i got to finish. I'm drinking Daniela's beer now, too, which we've aged now for two weeks. And, and it's nice, man. And it's, it's nice. Good, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. You like it, Jamil? She did it, a good job? It's a, yeah, it's a... It, as I could describe the beer, it's it's a beautiful blonde, just <laughs> like the brewer. Oh. <laughs> See, why do you not come up with that stuff? Yeah, I'm like, hey, this is good. Make another um, one. <laughs> I, I look at it as it's your second beer for a second beer. That's fantastic. Great job. If you do this if for a second beer, it is awesome. It means it's really no, not no, all no. that great. No, for a tenth beer, it's awesome. <laughs> really? Yeah. So make a couple of suggestions, yeah. if you would, yeah. Jamil. Well, one is, uh, you know, some clarity issues. The other was um, there was a... Uh, very slight fusel alcohol note in there in mm-hmm. the background that mm, somehow fermentation related. But other than that, you know, uh, it was great. Okay, you know, just keep brewing it and. Uh, what know, what could she happens. do to, for about that fusel alcohol thing in the fermentation? You think? You know, we're not really sure. Uh, okay. You know, when you have a hot fermentation, that that can be the case, but it doesn't sound like it was hot. I'm so pretty sure maybe, it was not uh, above seventy degrees. Mm-hmm. It wasn't any sixty eight, you know, seven, yeah. sixty seven. Sometimes if the temperature's not constant enough, it'll yeah. do it. It'll yeah. stress the yeast. And it a can be bit. an O2 or uh, you know under pitching uh, issue as well. Or she didn't do know, a starter. She did just throw the vials in there. That's correct. Yeah, I I would I would uh, go with uh, doing a starter. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Cool. Always and I warm pitched. <laughs> well, <laughs> at, at what temperature? That can do it. Do you remember that? Um, I don't. If remember. you pitch in the seventies, yeah. you're going to generate some fusel alcohol. It was. It, it was, was definitely a seventies. Cool it down first. Th- that's the answer. Then just yeah. cool it down. And, <laughs> and all right, I'll, def- I'll definitely take that advice and do that the next time. I'm planning on brewing in two weeks the same the recipe. Same Cool. Mm-hmm. Great. Try to clear I'll it up this time and drink it up. Yeah, and I'm going to do a starter as well. Did you use Irish moss or any kind of like whirl flock or anything? Do that yes. next time. Oh, yes, I did. I did use a whirl flock. However, um, only one tablet instead of the required two for right. 10 gallons. No, you only need one tablet for 10 gallons. Oh, is that gallons. right? That's one, what he was telling us. Is just one tab one. is good for like 12 gallons. What's the gallons? difference between oh, okay. Irish moss and right. um, whirl flock? They're just clarifying agents in the whirl flock. Yes. One is easier to use, oh, but, okay. but it just works it's, a little yeah, bit better. Yeah, it's purified and it's, uh, the pH is adjusted and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, 
you know, if you're doing a partial mash, mm. and one of the things I don't like about partial mash is you may not be getting your, your complete conversion, and, and what we may be seeing in there is a bunch of starch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, un- unless you're getting complete conversion, you know, it's better not to do um, the partial mash. You might want to throw a little bit more two-row in there. Okay. So boost the two-row and leave everything else the same, mm-hmm. and that, that could help with the conversion. I'll do that because what I'm going to do now, from now on, I'm only going to brew this same recipe over and over until it's perfect. <laughs> and only then I'm going to move on to a different one. Uh, you make a starter. Mm-hmm. You're good. Mm-hmm. Got a stir plate now. Doc made us a stir plate. <gasps> yes, I saw that. A homemade stir plate. He took uh, the design from Eric Beer, I yep. think, right? Mm-hmm. Which you yeah. can go to onebeer.net and check that out. It's really just a cool concept that's very cheap to do using computer parts and wood. And Doc showed up today, surprised me with a stir plate. I'm real stoked about that. He it's, needed one. I do, uh, I, because I'm the guy who every two hours I go over and I shake my starters myself, and then I go to work. So they go a few hours without getting moved, and now it's cool. I can just put them on the stir plate and let sit it go. There, sit there and watch it. Yeah. yeah. It was fun to watch. We were already playing with it just with water. Yeah. Now I, too, can relate to all those guys who dump their stir bar into the carboy <laughs> when they pitch. And you will. I'm sure of it. <laughs> So, very cool thing. All right, Jamil, we got uh, 15 minutes or so. Why don't we start talking about Europe with you? Well, and before we do, I wanted to uh, thank Dr. Scott for filling in for me on the Monday show, and I, I brought him a little gift Oh, uh, show my appreciation. You open that up. I think thank there's uh, something there you could share with everybody. Okay. Everybody and, here uh, or everybody I know? <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Well, right. most Actually, everybody you know. I uh, Jamil said something to me when he asked me to do this show, and he said... There's nobody else I'd trust to do it. Yeah, that made it all worthwhile, right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Well, and I, you know, I listened to those shows, and I think they were fantastic. I think uh, having you fill in uh, is a great idea, and I think the listeners benefit from you know a uh, slightly different point of view from another you know uh, excellent brewer that gives gives a lot of information. So, so what do you have there in the box? Oh, I've got Belgian chocolates and I. And, and what do they look like? Uh ooh, he, he, titties and beer. <laughs> <laughs> Are they chocolates shaped like titties and beer? <laughs> <laughs> They're Belgian boob chocolates. That is just great. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow. And it would, oh yeah. What's that? Is it, is it different see. on the second layer? He's showing me just little know. squares of chocolate. They're all. Oh yeah, it's different on the second layer. They're oh. either entirely shaped like boobs, or they're a square, and then they've got like a <laughs> mosaic of boobs. Well, no, no, it's not like good. Sexy chocolate. I, I had I had to get my wife Jeez. to buy them because because the young lady in the store I just couldn't face and and spicy <laughs> boob chocolate. <laughs> I'll just lick these. Yeah, I am. That's like me when I was a kid. I remember going into store and buy like one of the Spencer gift stores and buying a fart book. And my dad was so embarrassed that I would be buying a fart book that he, he couldn't stay in the store. He had to leave. <laughs> Come well, on, you that sis. must have happened to you a, a lot with your father. Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> really These did. are awesome. <laughs> my wife likes dark chocolate. And, you know what? Those, and she likes those. boobs. You know what? <laughs> She'll like these. Yeah. <laughs> they, had, they had like full size pairs. Is that right? <laughs> in, in just about every <laughs> chocolate shop in Bruges had a full-size yeah. pair of breasts. Is that like chocolate. their thing? Uh, they're known for chocolate boobs? Or I don't know, but my I kids pointed them out to me every window. Went to, <laughs> Look, Dad, more chocolate boobs. <laughs> you know? yeah. And, of course, I took pictures, and they're like, Dad, don't take pictures. <laughs> <laughs> it's for chocolateboobs.com, no, kids. Don't Bru- worry. Bruges, you can go up and down, the and you see... Old ladies knitting lace, and yeah. then and right next door, chocolate boots. <laughs> That's a great yep, thing. Yep. 
Well, Doc did do a great job on those episodes and lots of good feedback there. Yeah, so. thanks. Good work, man. So anybody got any questions? I've been getting a lot of feedback and a lot of people asking questions. I'm glad to take it. So if you got something you want to ask me, uh, throw it my way. And also, please don't forget, Peter Zine from Smith is going to be on the show with us in about 20 minutes and going to talk about pro brewing. And, and he brews awesome, awesome big beers, too. So if you got any questions about high-gravity brewing or, or going uh, home brewer to pro brewer, get them ready. You can call us up at 888-401-BEER. You can Skype us at the Brewing Network. And you can join Danielle in the chat room and ask her the questions, too. So, Jamil, where'd you go? What was your favorite spot that you went to beer-wise? Oh, man. You know, there were so many great places because, you know, I went to Belgium and uh, England and uh, Germany. There were three, three just tremendous beer countries. But okay. probably the greatest for me was Dusseldorf. Oh, is that right? Home of the alt beer. Exactly. And, and wow, Justin. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a big fan of alt <laughs> beers and... Um, you know, you you really can't compare the alt beers you get here or the things that they call alt beers here. Okay. Uh, versus the alt beers there, it's it's a whole different thing. Seeing them, you know, kick the the wooden uh, barrels down the the aisles yeah. in, the, in the pub, and they serve them off of gravity. So they'll take the big kegs and they'll they'll tilt them up on the bar, and they put in a, a faucet in them, and they just serve them off of gravity that way, and. Uh, you know, it's it's just a, an amazing experience, and not just the beer, but the people. The mm. people are really friendly. You uh, you know, you can have a lot of fun with locals. I was there, and one of the things I did on my trip was to take pictures of every beer I drank. Oh, nice! <laughs> what and, a beer dork, man! Yeah. That's great. You know, <laughs> well, it, 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 it kind of catalogs. You can take pictures of buildings and all this, but you know, <laughs> but screw you know, that. But but doing this, it you know, it catalogs the trip in a, in a whole different way. And when you go yeah. back and you look at those pictures, you have a whole different uh, sense of feeling. I, I've done that before on other trips with all the food that I ate on a trip, and it's it's just cool to look back on the pictures yeah. and it brings a whole different sensory aspect to it. Well, hey, if you can and take pictures of 2,000-year-old architecture, why can't you take pictures of 2,000-year-old beer? Exactly. And, you know? and uh, I was in this one pub and uh, in Dusseldorf, and I'm taking a picture of the beer, and some guy on the other side of the bar across from me, he says, Hey, cowboy, machen Sie ein Foto von mir? <laughs> <laughs> he wanted you to make a photo of him? No, he was like, are you taking a picture of me? Oh, uh, okay. I'm like, uh, no, I'm t- you know, taking a picture of the bee. I like that he called you cowboy. <laughs> yes, hey, hey, cowboy. Hey, cowboy. Maybe you saw that movie. That's not a bad thing, though. Cowboys have a very good reputation yeah, in Germany. Yeah. Oh, yeah? yeah. yeah. What, he, what the man asked was, hey, cowboy, are hey. you taking a picture of me? Yeah. Not well, that movie. Stuff. Plus, Jamil was wearing his cowboy hat Probably and uh, satellite belt buckle. And had his gun on his <laughs> belt. So there was that. And my tin star pasties. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he was kind of kidding around. The guy next to me said, no, he's taking a picture of the beer. And uh, yeah. they were kind of kind of pleased that I would I would take the time to take a picture of the beer. And sure. I would travel all this way to try this beer. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, it happened to be the best alt, in my opinion, in, in, in all the, the pubs I had tried that day. Okay. But, you know, we wandered from, from place to place trying all these different uh, alt beers. And, uh, you know, they're just fantastic. And, and Dusseldorf with all the friendly people yeah. and yeah. you know they don't get I don't think they get a lot of tourists through there mm-hmm. no. and so they were all very very nice and you don't need to speak German 
You know, you can you can point and and smile and and you know everybody Grunt. is so nice there. <laughs> it's also that Düsseldorf and also Cologne, the whole area surrounding the Rhine, the River Rhine, Rhine up there is a very blue collar area actually. It's a lot of workers and it was the old coal fabrics, you know, where people yeah. had to dig for the coal and stuff. So it's very I don't know, it's just very down to earth the entire area. And okay. people they they had a tough life compared to like Munich or so. Yeah. So I guess they just developed this awesome sense of humor. Like in Germany they're known as the most outgoing and like friendliest people of all. Okay. They're really they have a great temper and it's just a great atmosphere up well, there. You know, and all the people in Germany were very, very nice. And all the people in Europe are very, very nice. Yeah. You 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 really can't go wrong. If you if you go and you're polite and respectful and you know, just go with an open mind. You know, everybody there is just. just what about wonderful. on the days that you wore your "I love George Bush" shirt? Did that uh, that affect you any? I don't have one of those shirts. So, uh, in in general, uh, you know, I I blend in fairly well. In, what did in you Europe, do with your kids during your pub crawls? They came with me. Right into the pub. That's right. There's oh, not no. really a legal deal there, right? No, with parents you can bring. In, I mean, you have to be at least 16 on your own. In, but if in London, it's a problem. Yeah. In a lot of places, they won't allow the kids in in London. But uh, in Germany, oh no, yeah. they were they had no problem with it at all. And uh, what about when you went into the brothels? What'd you do with the kids then? Uh, I had them wait outside yes. and hold my coat while I prepared those. <laughs> kids, take some picture of me going in unhappy, coming out. <laughs> so, <laughs> what's that big smile on your face, Dad? Well, you saw in the window. Good you beer know. in there, kids. Good yeah, beer. Good, good beer. <laughs> Expansive but good. Yeah. <laughs> when the red light comes back on, Daddy's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> That's the signal. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the funny thing about Amsterdam, for example. If you go window shopping in window shopping in Amsterdam, yeah. I yeah. mean, you you can see everything, you know. I mean, I like the yeah. way they have the different districts, right? You know, you, you like one sort of girl or different sort of girl. They have them broken up into districts. How'd you how'd you stay? You went to Amsterdam also. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you how'd you stay out of that district? I know you wanted to take a detour because he was too busy with the cousin. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got my kids with me and uh yeah. you know there's a lot of great things to see in Amsterdam. We did the canal boat rides and we went to the Heineken brewery which was Oh yeah, that's, and, that's good. And I tell you, if you got a family yeah. and you got young kids and go to the Heineken brewery tour, um it's, you know, it's it, clean. It, it's, it's clean, so clean. and it's there's nice. there's interactive games and my kids had a blast and cool. we we sent a little video file in to you guys. Yeah, we got the video email. Yeah, you that know, was awesome. And you know, I'm like, eh, you know, I'm, I'm not interested, but my family's like, hey, let's do a video and send it to the guys at the Brewing Network. Oh, that's <laughs> really? so cool. Yeah, it was, it hey, was family. Right you know, you really could tell, too, because I'll give you a description of the video that we got. <laughs> so uh, there's four of them in the family there, and uh, the wife and the two kids, you know, the, they're kind of in the front, Jamil's in the back, and the, the kids and the wife, are they're all smiling and waving and saying hi to us. It was really very nice. And Jamil's just standing in the back like, yay, hi. <laughs> he just got his hands in his pocket, and I think he was just wait, like going, oh, they're going to tear me apart okay. with this one. Jamil, answer me this thing. <laughs> you're in a foreign country. You're someplace else. You've said it before. You like to blend in. The family likes to turn tourist. <laughs> what do you do? And you put your hands in your pocket, and you shut up, don't you? <laughs> I know. That's me. Yeah. I, just, I hate being a tourist. Right. 
I, I like being one of the locals. I like walking yeah. everywhere. I like, yeah, but when uh, they start doing, you know, when you fa- got the family, you the can't family, help it. The family wants to start doing, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, getting on the little things. pedal canal boats and <laughs> pedaling my my butt from uh, down at the Heineken Brewery all the way to the Anne Frank House. Yeah. And, yeah, that looks like a tourist winning a little swan boat in the. Yeah. Now, the, now yeah. how is the beer at the Heineken Brewery? Let's get to the good stuff there. Uh, excellent Heineken, uh, you know, yeah. and Heineken's like we discovered on that tasting here. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in the can and, and fresh, it yeah. is an excellent uh, Dutch Pilsner. It's, okay. it's what real about, malty. Oh, and, uh, how many did you get down in your 15 minutes? They changed it now. Oh, they did? Uh, Dang. For your 10 euros, they give you three beers uh, and uh, a gift. Those bastards. And the gift is a glass. and uh, But you don't have to struggle for them or anything. And, Can you, you know, trade in the glass for another couple samples instead? They're good-sized beers. Are they? Yeah. Oh, when, that's that's when, plenty. And when I was there, it was as fast as you could drink for 15 minutes. Yes, they see, said, that's good. Got a good news and bad news. <laughs> good news is you can have as much as you want. Well, I'll bad tell you, here's, here's a little secret. There's plenty of people leaving their little tokens on the tables, ah. and you just go and pick them up. You could you could stay there, and there were uh, some younger people staying there right. and just drinking all day. It's a beautiful, clean, relaxing uh, pub mm. they have in there. They have two of them in there. Cool. But it was just I was, I thought it was most fun just watching how fast they could throw a beer on you. <laughs> you. You look like you're just putting your glass down. You let go of it, and bam! There's another beer in front of you. Yeah. Well, they, they, they were so good you know, at doing they're, that. They're, they're, you know, they take the time to pour them and cut the the foam off with yep. a with a knife, and then you know let it uh, reform in a nice perfect. Wow. You know, they they take their their time and, there. They they know what they're doing. And they, it's fresh and it's clean. My wife yeah. doesn't really like a lot of beers. She really liked it in there. So she's the one who hammered. I was telling my wife the story of some some guy's wife who hammered down a bunch of beers, and that was your wife. That's yeah. my wife. Yeah, good work. And you know they didn't even give her a chance to. Well, should I order another? It was like she'd set it down, and bam, she had another one in front of her, just oh, like nice. that. And she, well, it was pretty good. <laughs> slam another one. They're small. They're probably you know they're six ounce tasters, maybe seven ounces. Doc got some action that night. Yeah, see, I think these are bigger now. We're on vacation. So you get fewer, <laughs> fewer, but they're but they're bigger. Okay, I, I hate to do it. I got to move us along because we're going to need to take a break and then do our tasting. Uh, how about this? Give us a couple of names of beers that right. were just great. Where you had them? What country? What pub? That that whole bit. Can you and do that? And then name your favorite because somebody from the chat room wanted to do that. They too. want to know what's your favorite in each city. Oh my God! Uh, I'm gonna have to go back to the photo uh, photo <laughs> album. Photo yeah. archives, yeah. You know, there were so many great things in in London. One of the great things was uh, getting to have some mild at uh, uh, the Royal Oak, which a uh, uh, software guy who lives in London gave me the the lowdown on where to find mild, and that that okay. was just fantastic. It yeah. was uh, a great thing. And in uh, Paris, it was the uh, the uh, the uh, uh, the wit. Uh, the Bellum's Bruges. Uh, ah, right. It, 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 that was just fantastic. It was really just fresh and soft and, and wonderful there. And uh, in Bruges, I went to that uh, that famous beer bar and just loaded up on every sour beer that they had. Yeah. That was fantastic. And then uh, in Amsterdam, it was obviously the Heineken. And in uh, in uh, Germany, in Dusseldorf, it was the, the Schlossel Alt. And the, uh, in Cologne, it was the Scion uh uh, Kolsch, and in uh, the rest of Germany, it was the the Bitburger at McDonald's, and uh, that's so interesting <laughs> that you can come back with a great beer story from McDonald's. 
And, and that's what they serve there, Bitburger. Bitburger, huh? yeah. Great Hellas. I like that. Did you have their Hellas? Is that what it was? Oh, it's a uh, Pilsner. Okay. The, I've had the, both, but I like their Hellas a yeah. lot, too. But uh, that's so cool. You go to McDonald's. And, uh, Helps wash down the burger. Yeah. <laughs> the crap. Which I had for lunch. Yeah. And, uh, and Brussels... Boy, it was yeah. It's probably the Rodenbach still. Rodenbach is one absolutely one of my favorites. Okay, and uh, you know uh, some some really great beers everywhere. And somebody wants to know if you had any Westies in Belgium. Uh, no, you didn't. No. I I go more for the, uh, but uh, and I did have a nice uh, uh, Hughes in. Uh, in Brussels that uh, I can't even think of the name of it right now. But, uh, you know, there was just so many great beers. Uh, I really, really just had a wonderful time. If if you ever get the chance to go to Europe, you yeah. know, it's listening. Do it. you got to do, do it. it. It's, it's, you know, just, just fart around, and you don't even have to see the sights. Just go from place to place, enjoy the people, enjoy the And the, the food. And the camaraderie and the food. And, and let's face it, you know, not everybody gets the opportunity to do that. Not everybody gets that much time off. And, uh, you know, not everyone can afford it. But uh, at, at any time in your life, if you can do it, we're just, uh, you know, it is a cool thing to do. And we're very, uh, everyone in this studio, Danielle, of course, being from there, it's very lucky. I, I would consider myself very lucky and thankful that I got, you know, even the opportunity to do that. I had just gotten out of school, and it was for right. me. It was kind of like, you know what? Uh, it's now or never, uh, because who knows what's going to happen later. And I got a chance now, and I scrounged up every penny. Uh, I borrowed a little money. I did whatever I could to get there. So uh, I just want to say turn tricks on the corner. Hey, whatever I had to do, man, I wanted to go. <laughs> and it's even, you know what? It's even worth, especially if you're from the East Coast. It's even worth just to go for a week. I yeah. mean, the flight then is like what is it? Eight hours? You yeah. can grab a cheap flight. I had tickets from Europe to here for as low as two hundred fifty dollars. Right. So if you find a good deal and you go for a week, yeah. you get over your chat like so quickly when you go to the bars and drink the beer and just walk around and enjoy and there's, the there's different lots of hostels world. and places yeah. you can stay. stay absolutely, cheap. So, so cheap. In London, I stayed for as cheap as ten pounds a night. Yeah, you know just when I was there, eighteen bucks. All so right. that's really yeah. not terrible. No, you're, you it's, can do it's it. doable. I'm just saying, you know, I, I gotta represent the poor man, and I'm just saying, you know, uh, don't mean to rub it in anyone's face. I'm yeah. saying right. I feel very, very, very lucky right. that I got to do that. As you and, and Jamil's very lucky to have gotten to spend so much time there. And, but you could, you can make it happen, and, and, and just, I just wish that you, I, I wish agree. it upon you that I, I hope you all do get to do something. Yeah. Right. Like I'm that. just saying, sometimes it yeah. sounds like a, such a big thing to fly over to Europe, or for Europeans, it sounds, sounds like such a big thing to fly, fly over here. to the U.S. Yeah. But you just have to look into it, and then out of a sudden you realize, maybe I can really do it, actually. Right. Yep. And it's a great experience. Absolutely. So, Justin, they going to let you back over there? I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> they won't let you back. It's now or never, and now it's never. <laughs> well, when yeah, he, when he entered Europe the first time, so what are you doing here, son? Yeah. Well, I'm, I don't know yet. That's awesome. And he had the stamp in his passport already. <laughs> That's what I thought was great, like just the lack of interrogation, you know. Because here in the land of the free, um, you know, you get interrogated all over the place. Like, what you doing? Where you going? What's happening? Even when I went to Canada. I get that at home. They want, yeah, exactly. I don't want it on vacation. Even when I went to Canada, they had a lot of questions for me. But r literally, I, I got off the plane in Germany. They just said, what are you here for? I, I'm just hanging out. Cool. Have a good time, they said. They literally said, have yourself a good time. This was the customs agent, not like the welcoming committee. And when I went to France... I didn't go through customs at all. 
I literally just walked right off the plane, and uh, I mean, I was flying well, within the European Union, but the, still, every other country you had to at least you go gotta through admit something. though that we sort of took a detour. I don't know if we sneaked into the country or if we did hey, I just followed right. the guy in front of me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Which was uh, a pilot. <laughs> it's a cool thing, and I just feel real lucky about that, and yeah, want to sure. say, uh, if you get a chance, really do try to do. It's a lot of fun. Yes, it is. It's something you got to do. Yeah. All right, we got to. Uh, to move things along. We got Peter Zine from Ale Smith Brewing Company. He's going to be on the phone with us in just a couple of minutes, and we're going to talk all about how to become a professional brewer after a career as a home brewer. You're listening to the Brewcasters, Brewcasters. on the Brewing Network. We're back. We already got Peter on the phone. Hang on one second, Peter. We'll be getting you in here. Peter Zine from Alesmith is going to help us do our Pro Brewer Show is what we're doing today. And we're also about to do our Bell Haven We Have We Heavy Tasting. Let me get Peter on the phone here, and he can hang out as we do that. Peter, are you there? Yeah, hi, Justin. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing real good. We're just about to drink some tasty beer here. Uh, Wonderful. Our tasting today, folks, uh, as I've just said, is the Bellhaven Wee Heavy. I hope that you got it. Um, maybe Doc and Jamil can help me describe what style of beer this is. And then, by the way, as soon as we finish this, Peter, uh, we got a bottle of your Grand Cru. Surprise! Oh, great. Surprise my guests here today with a little bit of that. You just we're did. We're gonna yeah. be we're yeah. going to be drinking your Grand Cru while we're talking to you, buddy. All right. All right. So hang in there for a second with us. And it, have you had this beer before, Peter? The Bellhaven. Oh, oh yeah, big favorite. Okay. Uh, our idea here is to help us all with our palates and just talk about the different flavors. So you feel free to chime in during this anytime you want. Well, and Peter's sure, a, right. a master uh, BJCP judge. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. I, I just got my promo. I, I got moved up to Grandmaster. Oh, he's Grandmaster. Oh, the Grandmaster. Yeah. All right. Holy did not know. smokes. Grandmaster Judge over there. So there's, there's very few. Grandmaster P. Yeah. <laughs> very few of those in the world. I can be a DJ. Grandmaster P. I think we're, <laughs> that's how we're going to refer to you for the rest of the show. Grandmaster P. All right. And, Peter, just if you can get right up into your phone as much as you can so, uh, you got it. so I can get your volume right here. Okay, so let's do our tasting here. Guys, what style of beer is the Wee Heavy? The Wee Heavy. <laughs> wee Heavy or... A uh, Scotch, uh, Scotch uh, Ale. Well, yeah, Scotch Ale. Okay. So that's different than the Scottish Ales. The Scottish Ales are a, a lower-gravity yeah. session beer, which is a term that's used throughout the world. Yeah. It's not a new term. Like on the lunch meat show, um, <laughs> I and like uh, I, I kind of like to tell them is, it's it's kind of like the Scotch ales are like the pale ales, and a wee heavy is like, like a barley Scot- like a right, barley. The Scottish wine. are like the pale ales, and the wee heavy is closer to the barley. Probably wine. Yeah. barley wine, so not not quite as big as a barley. No, wine no, but it's cases, the, it's but that jump. Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay, and and with that, you tend to get you know a much uh, higher uh, caramel flavor. You tend to get some more roastiness. You tend to get a little more estery uh, profile as well mm-hmm. because of the uh, higher alcohol, the the more difficult fermentation. So the yeast is going to kick out a little bit more. 
and uh, that tends to add to the profile of it. It's not going to be quite as clean and uh, easy drinking as a Scottish ale. No, definitely uh, not. But it's going to be... Uh, yeah, there, there's, it's almost syrupy to a point. You're going to get some of that from the high gravity. Uh, it has that s- low-line smoky flavor. I kind of like I kind of liken it to bacon. Yeah. It, it's got the hickory kind of. It's weird. It's it's not really smoky, but there's a flavor in it that I kind of. Yeah, the the roasty caramelly. Yeah, and uh, yeah. some of the some of the esters all kind of combining to to be almost smoky. Yeah, it doesn't taste like a like a smoky beer, but there's a, there's that that taste in there. Well, mm-hmm. let's talk about the aroma real quick. Uh, it's definitely you can smell a high malt. Right profile, right when you're smelling it, right? Yeah, it's it. You can almost it's likening to a barley wine. Yeah, it's, it's got a lot of. Except that I don't think you smell a lot of that alcohol. No, right? those right. esters that you would get that. No, of. no, I'm not talking about the malt background. Okay. The really high, high malt. So background. it's 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 not nearly the alcohol that a that like an American barley wine would. Uh, you know, some English barley wines are seven eight percent. You know, seven seven point two percent to eight percent. So this this will be in that range. Yeah. Okay. All right, so, and then on your tasting, where do you get it first on your palate, guys? I instantly Mid. get that roasty, yeah. not really roasty <laughs> character no, that you're talking ro- about, It's a roasty, Doc. smoky thing. Yeah. If you've had a Roush beer, it's like that, but very, very subdued. This is this is about the smokiest I've ever had a Bellhaven. Is that right? It is really. It, this that's is, this is far smokier, I think, than it's the dominant flavor that I'm getting out of it right there. Right. It's also fallen uh, very uh, much on the back to uh, like back middle of my palate too, right. when I'm getting it there. Well, and, and one thing about this is that uh, you know most barley wines will finish a little sweeter. This actually finishes fairly dry. Okay. And um, mm-hmm. that you does know, dry you're, up. you're not going to have uh, a lot of. Uh, sweetness in, in in the late palate. It's gonna it dries out fairly well. It is uh, interesting. Finishes, you know, fairly clean comparatively. Yeah, it kind of turns to uh, not in a bad way. It does disappear. It ends up feeling like water on your tongue afterward, as opposed to malt and sugar. That, that, that's the dryness. The water. Through, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 not as cloying. And so most of the Scottish beers will be very drinkable. And okay. You should be able to drink you know a couple of pints. Now when they get to the wee heavies, uh, they really don't. Uh, sell very many of them in uh, uh, Scotland it's anymore. It's not a session oh. beer, right? And, you know, and you ask them why not, and they say, "Oh, way too much alcohol. Nobody wants those." You ask them why they don't sell Sissies. sixty shilling. They say, "Well, no, that's that's too little alcohol. Nobody wants those." So they sell all <laughs> seventy and eighty shilling, and gotcha. every once in a while you find something uh, out of the ordinary there. But all right, uh, in general, you won't find this very often in in Scotland. This is um, this t- is a little. Uh, Drier and more oxidized than mm-hmm. if you got it fresh in Scotland. Okay, that's, 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 is, that's uh, what I was smelling at first. Was uh, I, I yeah, says it's it like a little stale. Yeah, it does have that, a, that stale. slight cardboardy mm-hmm. flavor to it. That's for sure. And the, the smell—that's what you smell. For you smell malt and a little bit of staleness. Car- and cardboard, yeah. yeah. You get malt, caramel, cardboard, yeah, and a slight alcohol. Sweetness coming through, yeah, and, and, and fruitiness there. Now, does the high alcohol cut that high malt that this has too? When you're, cut, you know, does it kind of is that how it's able to dry up and 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 not taste so sugary? I think it has to do more with the finishing gravity, right? The that. finish and uh, well, but you can get uh, you know a lot of Belgian beers that finish very very dry but mm-hmm. are still sweet. Yeah, uh, you know, you can get 
well, you know, and uh, Peter can talk about that quite well, and uh, in, in his beers as well. And uh, this, I think, you know, a lot of the the roast in this and the uh, and, and, a, and a proper balance of hopping tends to make this kind of dry out. Just it, you know, it's enough hops to to help it balance that sweetness. And uh, you know, and, and like you're saying, the finish and the and the roast. Uh, Grandmaster P, you got anything yeah. to? Uh... Well, you know, uh, as uh, you may know, we make a wee heavy also at Smith, and um, it's done pretty well. Great American Beer Fest for the last couple of years. We've actually beaten Bill Hopkins a few couple times. <laughs> we had a bronze and silver medals last couple of years. Nice. And um, our numbers on on our on our wee heavy, it's uh, 10.96 original. We try to get it to stop around 10.20, 10.18 to get some of that sweetness and fullness of the wee heavy. And uh, that that gets our alcohol right around 10%, so it is a little bit bigger. I think, uh, is the alcohol on the bottle there in front of you, uh, in the Bellhaven? Yeah, we got it. Yeah, is that about an 8 or a... What does it say there? Uh, Jamil's having a look on it now. 6.5. Oh, it's okay. So there it is, 6.5, the low end of the of the style category. Yeah. And and we got the big boy, and um, I guess that's been the criticism of some of the judges. It is a little bit big for style, but we actually use an American yeast on that, and that... Uh, surprises a lot of people, and um, I also heard how you were talking about the smoke character seemed a little higher on this, and that that's a hard element to control. We use a ridiculously small amount of smoke malt in our grist, in a thousand, what is it, a, a 1,400 pound grist. We're talking, you know, five pounds of a raw malt from Bamberg, and we enter that in the smoke uh, category of the we have these. You know, there's two. You can do traditional with smoke or not, and that's where we get our metal. So. You know, just small variations in the smoke really translate through because the phenols are, you know, are already present in beer, so they just get out of the side. And I, I, I think it's a real interesting style. Yeah. It is interesting. Yeah, this this is finishing in the single digits, if you ask me. This this is yeah. really quite dry. I, I heard you all uh, talk about how dry it is. Yeah. I, I don't think this is this is beyond uh, 1010. No, it's it's pretty dry. There's not a lot of lot of sweetness left even at the end. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on then. Uh, it's a good beer overall. I do well, like it. It's I'm tasty. Not, not bad at all. All right. And then also, Peter uh, is somewhat of a master at the high gravity beers too. If you go to, is it just alesmith.com? It's a great website. Um, I did a lot of research on it the last time we were going to talk to you, and lots of you really describe your beers on there, and you describe them in a way that you don't treat us like idiots, and I really like that. You really talk about... <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people in, in advertising their product, I think it's difficult to decide how much your your consumer knows about your product and and your and, right. and knows about beer but you put the starting gravities on there you put uh, you just really put a lot of information that guys like us and and real you know people seeking out high gravity beers we want to know that and it's just a uh, great site you got to look at yeah, it guys we, we'd like to know you know why does this taste so dry and and right. look, looking at you know, the, the gravities and things so go to alesmith.com it's just it's well done and i like all the write-ups you did so if you've got questions i have a few for you already peter that we'll get okay. to we'll get to later but if you do have questions about high gravity beers we'll, we'll poke those in here as we're doing the whole thing too and um, well, and peter's also that. been very forthcoming if, if you read zymergy and byo you're going to see a lot of peter's uh recipes in there and you're going to see a lot of he helped me uh with a couple of articles i did 
and was very forthcoming with a lot of information on how he brews and his recipes, and he's been a great friend to the to the home brewer out there and, and yeah. sharing uh, what he has. Hey, thank you. I love hearing that. Hang on um, one know, second. I'm a cold home brewer. It, it's what I developed first, you know, and, and I can't get it out of me. And I still walk in the room full of pro brewers, and I feel like running around asking for autographs still. And <laughs> that's but, really good. Uh, that, that's just who I am, and um, the more I can give back, the better. And I think I was inspired, you know, John Mayer and, and Jack Joyce over at Rogue, they were always putting their full recipes on the bottle. And uh, that just got me thinking, you know, there's so many parameters in brewing. Why don't people share their recipes more? It, it just can't be duplicated. There's house flavors, and I think, um, not to get off track, but part of the success of Cross, you know, we all were a big sharing group, and the egos are left at the door. And um, well, That's the way I, I look no at it. I problem talking inside and out about, about Earl Smith and, and uh, brewing in general. Yeah, when somebody won't kick down a recipe, uh, yeah, what, you, you can't do the same thing. Absolutely. Well, then, then that person just doesn't know much about brewing if he's not willing to share a recipe, I think. Right. We have had that happen in here, and it is always an interesting silence in the studio when we kind of get to that point, and we say, so how about a recipe for the guys? And they go, well, yeah, I'll give you a general one. And yeah. we all kind of, we all, Doc and I kind of look at each other and clam up a little bit, because we, yeah. you know, we don't want to insult our guest, and we also think... Wow, why wouldn't you do that? You know, yeah, it's very yeah. well, you know, everyone has their own way of handling this. And yeah, I guess absolutely. Real quickly in their mind, they just imagine seven more breweries brewing that exact same beer, and their sales going down, and all this stuff. You know. Yeah. Hey, sure. I mean. There's not a person I know that doesn't listen to this station, so uh, <laughs> it's a lot of people that could be stealing this recipe. You know? And they're all going pro. <laughs> they're all going pro. Be careful. We can talk about that. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your history, uh, because you were a home brewer for a long time before you ever moved on. Right. Uh, you know, Sean has a home brew kit like a lot of you listening right now and, and, and bought it, and it should come with a warning, you know, may seriously change your entire life. Uh, it's and, true. And it did for me. I, I just took to it like fish to water and yeah. uh, just couldn't get enough of it. Uh, we call it Jamilism now when you're brewing effectively, <laughs> yeah. filling your entire home with bottles and kegs. Right. Um, and that, that's what I was about. And I met so many wonderful people through home brewing, and I'm sure a lot of you have that same experience. People you may never have run into any other way than walking into a home brew club meeting. Or, you know, I have just tremendous friends from it now, and it's just I never would have imagined this. And Yeah. So, that is um, interesting yeah. that uh, it, it, it really does change everything when you when you start to do it because it's it's just one of those hobbies. In fact, I I almost don't even like that it's called a hobby. It really becomes much it becomes much more of a of a lifestyle. You know, I mean, a hobby is collecting stamps, right? <laughs> Not uh, whereas beer making is really just something. It's more like it's more like becoming an artist if you if you would call that a hobby. I, I think most people wouldn't. You know and uh, it does change everything. So you just jumped right. right in like Jamil, huh? And just started brewing like crazy. Yeah, and you know, more you know, you just learn from experience. I, I loved entering contests not for the little shiny medals and ribbons, but for the judges' feedback and to try to brew the beer again and, and make it better. And you know, your friends are drinking it. You suddenly become real popular, as we've all noticed when yeah. you become a brewer. Absolutely. Um, you know, when you got lots of friends want to drink your beer and. Um, just, uh, you know, just a wonderful hobby. And I ima- I'm single, but I imagine it's like getting married. Your life just changes drastically in ways you couldn't imagine. And, yeah. And uh, that's what brewing did for me. I'm sure. That's a good analogy, except that your life changes in a good way when you start brewing. 
<laughs> right, guys? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was home brewing. The girl friend that actually got me into brewing, she eventually bossed out the fermenters and, uh, and moved out. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. Move out. My, my wife's often slapping me on the back. You know, when you're, you're in a passion-driven, uh, you know, I, I, that's so weird that I'm talking about, uh, you know, brewing as, as what my passion was, but that, that's what it was, and that's what it is right now still. Yeah. It's a passion-driven you know, hobby career now for me. And well, that's it. I'm glad that you mentioned that. I did have a question about, um, let's see, the question from, from one of our listeners is, you know, did you get worried that your hobby won't be fun or enjoyable anymore if it's now your job and you have to do it to pay the bills? How did you, how did you yeah. deal with that? Uh, that? That's a great, great starting point. That, that's, that's the question. It's wonderful. Um, I remember someone sharing a story with me. They, they loved aquariums and fish. And they decided to get a little store and do it. Yeah. And he was running around town cleaning aquariums, and he hated it. And he lost the passion, and right. he wanted out. And you know, it depends what day you talk to me. There's those days um, where you you know you say, what, "What did I do here? You you are driving a large ship now. It's not your little five gallon fermenter going off in your closet anymore. You have uh, all these other expectations going on, and uh, you know it comes with a price." Yeah. And for some people, you know, for some some of you, you know, if you did make a move, you will run right into that. You'll say, "Damn, I wish I still had my my hobby back. I miss planning my recipes out." And, right. And um, uh, you know, and, uh, as an owner of a microbrewery, I have a set lineup that my distributors expect. So there goes some of the creative element. I'm not knocking out my chocolate hazelnut porters or whatever funky thing I want to make now. Yeah. Um, I, I I can have variation within my recipes, but uh, that's something to consider, you know. It is, and you know, though, when you talk about how you have days where you you, you might not want to be doing the work and you might be looking down on it. You're also talking about everybody's job. It really doesn't matter what you do. I mean, I, I've talked to Doc in depth before about being a dentist and asked him, you know, hey, do you still like this kind of thing? And, and he's told me flat out, I, I like what I do. I really like what I do. But I would, uh-huh. I would guess that there are days that Doc doesn't want to go to the office, you, you know? Got, you got that right. <laughs> and there, and I love broadcasting. And, uh, there are days that I don't want to be broadcasting. Uh, and great point. So yeah. it, it really, I think in that sense, it, it doesn't change everything when you end up doing what you love. There's everybody goes through the fact. Like uh, Doc was telling me the other day, some days he wakes up next to his wife and thinks, "What the hell did I do?" No, he, he didn't say anything like that. <laughs> I'm kidding. But right, like anything you do that you think is the best thing you've ever done, yeah. occasionally, man, it's going to get a little shitty. <laughs> it just yeah, happens. Well, you know what? The, the bottom line is you, you need to find something that makes you happy, and I can tell by how wonderful you do your job. You, you know, you're passion-driven, and you have to wake up in the morning and like what you're doing. You know, I have a law degree, and I, I didn't want to go that route. I, I didn't want to wear a suit and tie. Right. And, and you search around, and you got to be Alfred E. Newman a little bit for a while there, and don't worry, and have faith in yourself, and uh, you finally find what it is, and... Uh, I always felt I'd be an artist of some sort, but yeah. uh, here I am as a as a brewer artist, and that's you know as we all know, brewing is a wonderful blend of science and art, and I've um, it's the art that got me into it, and science keeping my beer good, and then the business end of everything, you know, taking over ninety percent of stuff. Right. So that's uh, you have to go into that if you want to hear about. Uh, I, we absolutely do. Like. 
I, I do want to hear about that. I think, for one, that it's really interesting you say that you have a you have a law degree. You know, you spent eight years at least, I'm guessing, in school to get that. And you really could be doing something now to give you enough cash to not have to work as much as you do. You certainly wouldn't have to be talking to us idiots. And you <laughs> still chose, you know, to do what you love, even after spending all that time and money on a law degree. And uh, that's something. Well, life takes you in funny paths, and, you know, I, I guess I told my mom when I was in law school I would be a judge someday. She just didn't know I'd be a beer judge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I wear uh, blue jeans, half the year, shorts the other half. Right. I'm waking up smiling. Uh, most days it is still a rush to, to go running to the brewery, and, and on brew day, you know, I get the same tingle during Bowen that I, that I did as a home brewer. It's exactly the same water. It's, it's malt, and, and there it is. It's that aroma therapy that sets your memory back to, to your first batch. Yeah. And that is still a thrill after 600 batches. That is the testament right there. Yeah, uh, yeah. W- when you're doing it as a pro... Uh, you're, you're taking to the next step. You got now. You got to wear a lot of different hats. Yeah. You're not just the hat as the home brewer. Now you're the. You, you still got that hat, which is the fun hat. Yeah. Then you right. then you got the business manager part, and mm-hmm. that that's a whole other hat. Maybe you like it. Maybe you don't. Yeah. Uh, you, there's a lot of different things to it, but to to do your passion and to get where you want to go. That's what you got to do. My fun yeah, hat has a lot to do with flamethrowers. All of my tasks in advance, you know, it would have been maybe a different decision. But yeah. I, I, I knew, you know, what I wanted. I wanted this brewery, and and I just made it happen. And um, I figured everything would just land in place. And I've learned so much over four years. I can't even begin to tell you what I've learned. But right, but I like I'm the way not, you, none of it expected. I like the way you put it. That now you're stirring that big boat. <laughs> Absolutely, and that that that's well, really well put. All right, l- well, let me I, let me I, I, yeah, I, let me interrupt for one second. I'm sorry, Peter. Um, hang on, hang on one second, Peter. I'm just I'm me. I'm having trouble with the audio. So what I want to do is because you're you're giving great answers. I really like what you're saying. I'm just a little worried everyone's not getting it. Uh, so I want to take a break. And I'm take a break real quick and see if we can clean up this audio on the, on the phone end a little bit. So everybody hang in there just a second. Uh, we're going to get Peter Zine right back here. I'm just going to try to clean it up and see if we can get some, some real clear stuff. And uh, hang in there, Peter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab the phone on the other end there. So We'll be right back. It's the Brewing Network. We've got Peter Zine from Ailsmith with us, and we're just going to work out some technical issues. We'll be right back with the great Peter Zine. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. The Brewing Network. Saving your life. One beer at a time. All right. Sorry about that. I just want to make sure we get a lot of clarity here from Peter. He's got some good stuff to say that everybody wants to hear. So we're going to try this again. i got to make a couple of more adjustments while everybody's on the air here. So so bear with us. Peter, are you there? Yeah. How's this sounding? A little better? Yeah, it sounds clearer. Oh, oh that's, that's a lot better. Try once more. Say that Jamil is the worst brewer you've ever known. Jamil is one of the best brewers I know. <laughs> you sissy. <laughs> let, All right. Let's speak factual about it. Let me try one more thing. Hang on. Hang in there. He's working board magic here. All right. 
Let's get you to say that once more. Jamil's the world's best brewer. That's pretty good. And once more. Jamil is the world's best brewer. I need that isolated, and uh, yeah. now with feeling. <laughs> That's going to be my uh, new new message on my voicemail. <laughs> okay, I think that's about as good as I'm going to get it. It sounds all right, and um, we should be good to go. Let's try this again, okay. huh, Peter? Okay. <laughs> and by the way, it is Peter Zine from Ale Smith, which is down in San Diego. Am I right about that? That's right, San Diego. You can check them out down there if you want to go and uh, get the beers. I'm sure they're available locally. We'll talk about that. And you can also go to alesmith.com and find out all about their beers. We're going to taste one of his right now, which is a grand crew that he's done. There's a lot of good info on their website. I I peruse that. It's amazing how much you put on that website about your beers. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, well, over the years, the content has really grown on that. Well, one of the things I think a lot of people don't realize, if if you're, you know, a lot of people know the name like uh, Sam Calzone and uh, Vinny Gilerzo and, uh, uh, you know, Tommy Arthur and all these guys. And, uh, you know, the the cutting edge things that they're doing and the dramatic beers that they're making and all the names they're making for themselves. Yeah. Well, why don't they know Peter? If this Peter Peter is one of those guys, yeah. and maybe maybe he does he doesn't market his name as well, but uh, you know in in the next year or so he they're going to talk about him in the in the same vein. I mean, just just yeah. try those beers, you'll be stunned. If if you're ever in the San Diego area, and uh, you know you really owe it to yourself to stop by the brewery or you know to to go to a lot of the local pubs, O'Brien's or wherever that they're serving a lot of Ale Smith. And, and try these things, and they're just amazing. And, and it's it's uh, of the quality or better than a lot of the things that people are talking about. Yeah. Peter's already doing, and, and it, it's just a, just a matter of time. And, you know, if you want to get in on the ground floor and the next super name in brewing, yeah. it's Ale Smith and it's oh. Peter. Jamil sleeps hey, with you. a picture of Peter, by the way. Nice <laughs> Grandmaster P. And Grandmaster P to you. <laughs> well, you know, Peter, now that you've been on the BN... It's nowhere but up from that's here. That's right. <laughs> uh, that's, that's why I was waiting for my opportunity. <laughs> well, and if you want to talk about, you know, doing some experimental and risky things, which I do want to talk about with you, Peter, um, <laughs> just a, a last uh, a, a last thing uh, is just look at the lineup of beers on Alesmith, and, and he's definitely putting out beers that uh, – that marketing people might consider like marketing death, oh, or at yeah. least at least your accounting department might think so. Yeah. But I well, think it's going to work the all opposite. Departments are right here. Oh, you're the whole thing anyway, right? Yeah. You got nobody to answer to. <laughs> That's the best part. All right. Yeah, there are a lot of um, things that we do with our business plan that are just off the chart as far as what you would consider. You know what what would keep you in business ten years ago, and when you brew one thousand barrels of beer. Of beer total, you distribute in five states. You have ten different beers you make year-round that you try to keep up at all times. It's a really wacky business plan, but right, it, it's working now, and it's because of the beer renaissance and people, you know, this, this slow chug that's been going on since the early '80s with people getting aware of better beer, and we're, we're shining right now. And half of our lineup. Are these you know aggressive beers, big beers in those seven fifty milliliter bottles? Yeah. Well, it's because and, uh, you've you've changed the lineup to that, Peter. You you've been the driving force behind this and these these interesting, unique beers that really have a statement. Right. You know, and it's not the resurgence in the 
It's not the resurgence in the craft brewing. It's you who've, who've changed things at Alesmith. Well, really trying to keep my, my finger on the pulse, you know, trying to trying to remember and 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 you know see what people want. I'm I'm like I said, I'm still a beer geek at heart and a home brewer, and I'm trying to design beers that, as a consumer, I would want. And uh, not everyone has the chance to taste home brewed beers like like we all did. But uh, Alesmith is sort of a home brewery, and I think that's our charm. Is we're we're a home brewery on steroids, and I I start mm-hmm. every tour off with that statement. That's great. And uh, it really appeals to the home brewers. By, by the time they leave our uh, brewery, they're fired up that, you know, they could easily do this if they wanted to. Right. Well, I like the way that you, you're not afraid to, you know, pull the stops out and make some really funky beers and kind of go out there on, on the ledge. Because some of these things are just awesome. Oh, thanks. And, 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 and Justin's right. Uh, your marketing guys are freaking out. <laughs> or would be if you had some. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, we can't sell this. What the hell are you doing? Make a pale ale. All right, here's what I want to do. Um, By having a high alcohol beer in a very large bottle is an odd thing as well. But, yeah. um, you know, we're trying to offer a completely different experience here. You know, it's a different uh, thing than a beer. You know, it's not doesn't have a, a six-pack. It's, it's a big bottle. It's a strong beer, but it's still a beer. And uh, we're just well, not wine doesn't come. Different. Wine doesn't come in little bottles. Yeah, and it's it's just the whole stigma about beer is a personal thing. You get a glass of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of having a, a high alcohol, uh, strange brew that you want to share with friends. Mm-hmm. And with a big seven fifty milliliter bottle, that's what you're going to do, or two. Or two. <laughs> mm-hmm. I definitely, you know, I think that it's the creativity part that's all right. It's not so off the, ch- you know, I, I keep saying definitely about how the, the the accounting department might freak out and the marketing guys might freak out, but um, I honestly think it's actually exactly what you should be doing and really kind of going for something that you believe in and that is sort of a niche and is also something different. These are great beers. And you're even, on some of them, taking old-style beers, a grand crew, and putting your own thing on them and, and marketing it that way is just right. it's a great thing. And by the way, this grand crew, it's the first beer I've ever Fantastic. had of yours. I've never had an Ale Smith beer. And oh, okay. This is great. This is just awesome. Uh, it's opened already. Okay. And we've cracked it open. We're drinking out of wine glasses for you okay. so that we can that's, get that. proper glass for that beer. That's right. Yeah. And get the get all the aroma. And if you haven't heard us say that on the show before, we're saying it now. It, it, it direct the aroma and the flavors right up into your palate and your nose. And so that's the way you should be drinking these. And this is just great, man. It's a great color, uh, really kind of a deep amber color to it. And uh, although the lighting in our studio is weird, <laughs> it could yeah. be something totally different. Uh, but it, it just it's it's a nice beer, man. Good work. So the aroma. That's one of the beers we make that we that appeals to wine drinkers, and we do get the wine drinkers in our brewery that are, are poo pooing what we do, and I, I really direct them towards our you know our we heavy, or our speedway stout, or the Grand Cru. Good idea. And that has those have wine complexity to them. Well, and, the, uh, the Grand Cru really reminds me of a very very old cab. Uh, you know, a twenty. Mm-hmm. 20-year-old cab that's lost all there the fruit go. to it. And mm-hmm. it it really has that coming through. If you're a fan of old cabs, it's right try there, this huh? thing. This is this is awesome. It's not that's, too that's one of those beers where the the small amount of oxygen that does manage to make its way into the bottle and oxidize that is helping it. You know, that those beers at years 4, 5 and 6, the the deep fruit flavors of plum, prune, raisin. Um, we have a batch up at the brewery right now that's just on to like a West Letter and 8 
and uh, I have that on tap downstairs right now because I just needed to have that in my house. But, um, <laughs> you know, again, because we're like a home brewery, all of our beers, you know, have a little bit of a range to them. That we we consistency is what most brewers strive for. Well, we we strive to hit the range. Nice. Uh, and so, um, you know, no two are alike. Yeah. So I wish I I wish I could be sharing a sip of the one you have in front of you, but I know it's. <laughs> well, oh, let me say this. Here's what I want to do. Um, I, I, we can do a whole show about your beers, and we want to, uh, we definitely want to do a big beer show with you. I'd love to have you in the studio and, uh, and really be able to talk about it and taste them with you. So if we can do that sometime, that'd be great. And that would be great. I'll load okay. up my car full of beer and Perfect. I'll drive up. That would be great because I, I have got a stack of questions in front of me from our listeners for you that have a okay. lot to do with the business. So if you don't mind, what I'd like to do is get us into how, uh, if we can sort of briefly talk about how you made the transition, uh, maybe the day you made the decision and then you, you, you moved over to getting into your own brewery. And then I'll, I'll just start throwing all these great questions at you from our listeners. Okay, that sounds good. Um, I think a, f- a fair starting point is that, you know, decision one, you need to know if you're going to do a startup or if you're going to acquire another brewery and do a turnkey. Okay. And, and I just point that out because I did the turnkey. I, I hit the ground running, and that's an option you may have in your area if there is a brewery that's struggling and needs some help. But, a good um, point. Most of you are probably thinking about starting, you know, right from scratch and getting your own equipment. So. I can help you to that to some extent, but I'm, I can also describe what it's like to hit the ground running. Okay. So, and, and that's what you, from there. now you, uh, worked, uh, I'm gonna assume for a couple of different breweries after you, you got your first professional job, is that right? Well, not really. I mean, I, I, I homebrewed like crazy and yeah. I volunteered myself at Alesmith that okay. always needed people for bottling and, and so forth. So, and that was when? Back in 2001? Um, that was actually from, you know, 98, 99, 2000. Gotcha. Um, uh, and I purchased it in July of 2002, so my fourth okay. anniversary is coming up this summer. So the lowly little kid that was, like, yeah. volunteering buys them out. <laughs> and you were never employed by them before you bought them, or? No, in fact, the people that were employed there were hardly employed there. I mean, it, oh. it, it was a real volunteer situation. And, okay. And because, you know, that, Alesmith did start grassroots, just, you know, a little three-barrel fermenter and, and real nothing stuff. So and I, I almost let the other owner go seven years and do all the hard stuff, and then I got to kind of come in. But Ailsmith was on the ropes. You know, I'm not, uh, I can talk about it now, but it was scary. Uh, half the income was generated from contract brewing and from a very light beer that we no longer even make called Golden Anvil. Um, you know, basically a Kolsch style, just a real easy drinker and, we, you know, one of my first moves was to kill half of my income after I took over. I got rid of the contract ring, and I got rid of Golden Anvil, and I made our X, the extra pale ale, the, the starting point. Yeah. And so there's some scary moves early on there. Yeah, that is a scary move. I'm thinking that's kind of the opposite direction yeah. that, they, that your gut tells you to go. It's like yeah. the cutting off the in-laws that are feeding yeah. you the money. Yeah, you're like, okay, I want to open a company. What do I do first? How about yeah. I give out my credit cards to other people? <laughs> Just let them do you know, it. It was, it was really scary. But you know what? I, I, I started doing the math, and I started thinking, okay, a fermenter full of Golden Anvil versus a fermenter full of, say, Horny Devil or the Grand Crew. Yeah. And it was, it was not just the money part. It was also the demand, you know, um, 
uh, I guess, you know, Stone is my distributor locally, and they're, you know, really forthcoming with me and helpful, and boy, they set me straight on some stuff, and one of them is, you know, you have to have a kind of a set lineup of beer and make it available over and over. You can't just brew Horny Devil once and make people wait two years for the next one and decide what you want to make next. That's okay in a brew pub, uh, you know, but not in a microbrewery. You need a sales people of your distributor need to have confidence that, you know, they can replenish that beer sale to that retailer. Right. So uh, they want to sell something a, they can't that get. Lineup going. Okay. All right. Um, I, I, let me throw in a couple of questions here that are kind of along okay. the same track. Uh, one of the questions, are, are you guys a brew pub or a microbrewery now? We are a microbrewery, just okay. a, basically a beer factory. Okay. So the question from the from the listener was, you know, how did you decide between a microbrewery and a brew pub? I know that yours is a bit of a different circumstance because you right. inherited it, but could you have had the opportunity to open a brew pub? And, and if so, why, well, you know what? why wouldn't I, you? I still, con- I still consider doing that. You know, I have to make some sort of decision about the whereabouts of Alesmith in 2008, and um, what I can say towards that end is, you know, you need to understand that half of your business will be managing a, a restaurant per se okay. and, and all that comes with that. Now, I, I have restaurant. My dad was in the restaurant business, and if he left me with anything, it's, it's don't get into the restaurant business. So I, I, I'm a little shy of it, but um, I, I know a lot of brew pubs uh, have wonderful cash flow from the food side, and it really enables them to, to develop a, a good, healthy you know, a beer side, and um, I think um, like a pizza port's a good example of that. And and you also get more creativity in a brew pub. You, you're free to brew that wacky homebrew beer, brew seven barrels of it, see if people drink it. If they and if they don't, you don't brew it again. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? How many so, um, how many barrels do you brew every time you brew a batch? We're a 15 barrel brewery. Okay. And we end up, uh, in 1995, 1,050 barrels, up from 860. Wow, no kidding. A little bit of growth there. Yeah, absolutely. And and all of that is based on your distribution, because people aren't drinking it out of your place. So that's just it being bought off the shelves and, and, and poured at bars, too, I assume? Right, on okay. and off-premise locations okay. uh, in California, Massachusetts, uh, Oregon, Ohio, and Arizona. Okay. Okay, some of the questions I've got here for you are from really starting from a, a startup point, so not necessarily okay. buying out another brewery. So okay. I'm going to ask you maybe to put yourself in those shoes and, and give some advice as I give you those questions. And sure. um, one of them is, what are the easiest first customers to go for when you're starting a brewery? Wow, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, you're going to probably have to be doing your own sales there in the beginning because money money is going to be everything. It's going to be what's going to, you know, stop you from do, hiring five salesmen right away. And, you know, you're, it, it's not a cheap adventure here. So, um, you know, your, your first customers, I would think, are going to be the people geographically located, you know, closest to you. These are the ones you'll have the easiest sales to. You're going to, uh, you know, stores and bars and love that, you know, the local element. Hey, I'm down the street from you. You have a brewery now. Yeah. Um, how would you like to carry it? And you know, and my advice would also be don't uh, don't think you're going to make a bunch of money by undercutting the market. I would I would make sure to know your brewing community, know the other brewers, get yourself involved with your brewers guild. Yeah. Before you open up and and get yourself known and and come in as a friend to everybody and don't uh, you know 
that that's the way to do it, I think, because I'm I'm real helpful. We have we have breweries popping up in San Diego now, a couple of new ones, and mm. um, I love helping these new guys and 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 making sure the market stays strong for all of us. You know, that's a great point. I think a lot of people who think, okay, I've got an an innovative idea. I got something new happening. Want to get in there and just corner the market and and rip up a new ground and. And you're right, and especially in, in microbrew and you know even beer in general, it's a small community. It's a tight knit group, and you probably shouldn't be the disruptive one as, as much as you should be the cooperative one. That's a good point you make there. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, if you're a real type A guy and that's the way you go through your life, or girl, um, you know, more power to you. I just don't think that's the way to go with brewing or you know, yeah. anything really. And you just need the help of these guys too. It really is the kind of a market yeah. that everybody pushes each other. Well, most most well, of the microbrew guys around here are all pretty good friends. Yeah, yeah. You go to any of these festivals, they're all hanging out together and that whole deal. Yeah. You know, I think I they, think the home brewer in general is, is kind of a little bit of a loner in his business. He's doing everything himself, and that's just the nature of brewing. You know, you don't you can't have a guy, you know, jumping in on your timeline when you're brewing. Yeah, absolutely. But you need to learn to delegate. You need to learn to trust others. You need to learn to have people doing what you want to be doing because you need to be doing something else. <laughs> right. There's lots of things. You know, if you think you're going to open a brewery and, and it's going to feel exactly like when you're doing a home brew batch, yeah. it, it's hardly anything like it. Right. Your, your mind is filled with all sorts of other things. Okay. So um, the artist in me took a blow right away. It was, wow, you know, I didn't. I didn't expect some of these things. Right. And, um, you know, if you, you better get, be, you know, if you got anything immature left in your personality, you better get rid of it quick because you, you, you need to grow up to run a business. And homebrewers, you, you do what you want, and, and you need to toughen up, too. I guess that's the point I was getting at. If um, Criticism and acclaim are part of your everyday. Um, as a homebrewer, if people don't like your beer, you, you, don't, <laughs> you tell them to... Get out of your face, but yeah, go Yeah, you know, Peter, uh, I'm telling you what you're. I, I have a. You're speaking like directly to me at, the, at that moment when you're, you're really talking about things like that. I got an email from somebody a while back who was uh, encouraging me and, and saying, "Way to go on following your dream and doing the Brewing Network and doing that whole thing." And I, mm-hmm. you've encouraged me in turn to to quit my job and, and begin my own business. And the advice I gave to him uh, that I've learned very, very, very recently, like maybe a couple of hours ago, that's how recently, <laughs> uh, the, the advice I gave back to him was, was really similar to what you just said. There are great things about going into business for yourself. Doc can talk about this just as much as anybody. There are really great things about going into business for yourself and following your dream and doing that sort of stuff. But, man, is it an up-and-down thing. And you do have to have a thick skin. And you do have to take that criticism. And you do got to be confident because there's a lot of days you're going to go through where you're going, you know what? I don't know if I, I don't know if it's going to make it. I don't know what the, the next step is. There's a lot of figuring out what to do. There's a lot of people telling you you suck. And there's also, <laughs> yeah. on the other hand, there's a lot of encouragement. There, there's, a, there's a good feeling in doing it yourself and a good feeling in following your dream. But I like that you said you got to lose that immaturity and you got to lose any of that unprofessionalism that you had beforehand. And all of us have it. Everybody has it. And as soon as you go into business for yourself and you realize it's my thing, 
you do got to lose that stuff. And it's not 40 hours a week anymore. That's right. Not even close. Right. It's 40 hours a day. <laughs> it, it pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and you, you got to, maybe it can cut down near the end, you know, as it goes on, but at first, uh, you're putting so much time, effort, money into this thing. Yeah. Because it is your passion. You, you're going to make it work. Right. It's your business. You've got to do everything you can. If you're going to go into it with the 40-hour-a-week mentality, it's not going to make it. Yeah. And for every right. step that you accomplish, there's five that you might have screwed up on that you got to fix <laughs> real quick. You know, there's right. a lot of ways. You're, you're hitting it right on the head. But and I it, think um, people thinking of opening a brewery, they need to think um, very carefully about this because there's lots of business choices out there. And if you're looking to support yourself from this, you know, I just really would have to caution you to be really careful because I don't want to see anyone getting hurt out there. But yeah. uh, not a lot of breweries are racking in lots of money. There's a lot of restrictions, uh, governmental and local. and yeah. uh, The market is highly competitive. And the people who like our beers also like variety. And that's a wonderful thing because one day they're drinking Ballast Point and then Stone and then they make their way to Alesmith. But yeah. There's so many breweries that they it's know, a tough thing. spread our sales around. So. Yeah, it's a tough uh, thing, too, because like, one day they're buying your six-pack and the next day they're not. That's right. So <laughs> just make sure you have a nice, good, solid business plan is what I would recommend. And, you know, there's people who can help you with that sort of thing. Do you know? Uh, could you do you know of any organizations offhand that people have access to for that sort of a, a help? A business plan is it's for me when I started this thing. It's really a foreign type of thing for someone going from the art of brewing into the art of business. Uh, All right. Where can you go to get help with that kind of thing? Well, um, at these uh, homebrew conferences and craft brew conferences where the where they have these brew expos, there's there's a few consultants now that are in the industry, then they're out there just specifically for that purpose. Okay. And you know what? I could get back to you with some of those links if you wanted to add them to your website. Yeah, that'd be great. And uh, I know one's an attorney who helps uh, get you through the maze of paperwork and all that sort of thing. Okay. And another guy, is a, is he jumps into your books and he tries to really uh, help you figure out a, a plan to... Uh, you know, obviously make more money than you spend. Right. And that guy called you an idiot when you cut out all that beer that you were already doing, oh, didn't absolutely. he? <laughs> he said, are you nuts? <laughs> now, you need a good sounding board. I don't have a partner financially, but I do have a partner in crime with brewing, and that's my, my employee, Todd Fitzsimmons. Okay. And we work uh, one and two. We're, we're together all the time at the brewery, and we're sounding boards for each other, and that's different than home brewing, where you're you're your own boss all the time. But uh, it really helps. You know, two brains are always going to be better than one. So yeah. you know, leave your ego at the door and and realize other people at any level can offer you something. I mean, the the novice brewer can walk into my brewery and say something in a way that makes me think of something I in a way that I never had. So, right. That's um, great and, advice. You, know, so you, you got to park that ego at the door, and some brewers can't do it. You yeah. know, I'm not naming names. <laughs> Come on, give us and a name. <laughs> well, 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 it's funny at our brewer guild meetings. You know, we all we're all we're all good buddies, and it's funny. I I bought my home brew set from Tom Nickel, the owner of O'Brien's and the brewer of OGs, and, and who, who could have ever foreseen the day where his bar was buying kegs from me? You know, in 1995, and now that's what we do every week. So it's just uh, crazy. But you know, go in. You know, talk to your other brewers. Don't. Don't work in secrecy in your neighborhood because you have all this advice and help at your ready. These brewers are going to help you, and they're 
we're not competitors, we're compatriots. Right. You know, as long as you don't work for BMC. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, let's maybe take this time to transition into what is obviously one of the most important things that everybody thinks of, not uh, you know, in starting any business, but in particularly in a business like brewing which requires some capital because of the equipment necessary. Now, I've got a few questions here that I'll give to you in a, in a few minutes that are about uh, getting used equipment and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll, I'm going to talk to you about the advantages and disadvantages of that. But, you know, let's talk about money because a lot of guys out there are thinking, hey, psh, I, I, hey, I look, got none. Look at me. I'd love to go pro, but uh, what I, are you talking about? I don't have any money. I got none. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what's a good starting point for these guys who they're working the regular job and, and they got the job and it's paying the bills now and it's a big risk to leave that and do something like this. So where do you start? Uh, you know, where do you even start thinking about how you're going to be able to afford this? Well, you do need to start saving some money and, you know, um, there, there's creative ways to to get money you can always take in investors um family is always good if you want to offer you know borrow money from a family member or an institution but you know you're going into debt yeah one there to do something like that so i had another business and i had some business training um out of law school i, I did the home repair finance business and got the business side of things kind of sharp sharpened uh, you know in my mind that um, that stuff didn't come easy for me because I do consider myself more of a, an artist than a businessman. But getting those skills, uh, you know, proper bill paying and, you know, find, you know, understanding how to do, read uh, your reports and stuff like that is yeah. very important. But whatever amount of money you think you need, put times three right after it. Okay. That's and, a, you know, uh, that, that's a good point because uh, when you're doing a business plan, you have a, te- even if you think you're overshooting, you have a tendency to, to think that you only need X amount of money. And, yeah, well, yeah, it makes you feel better and it's a, yeah. it's a more doable kind of thing. Yeah. Right. And I overshot mine too. I wasn't real dumb about it. I was uh, semi dumb, uh, but I wasn't real dumb <laughs> about it. I overshot all of my marks by, by a, quite a bit too. But I think you're right that if you overshoot by three times what you think you have, you're probably just then in the safety zone. You're not even well beyond it. You're just then in the safety zone because you got to assume there's a bunch of things that are going to come your way that you didn't know about. The the things you didn't even think about. Yeah. That's it right on the head. And if you don't have the money, it's going to slow you right down. And uh, Peter talked to I want to do this with you, Peter, because you mentioned that to me. You said... What I would like to tell these people is is about the things you don't know about. And you couldn't – it's not because you're not thinking and it's not because you, you don't have a brain. It's because you can't know. Things come your way. They're, they're just out of the blue. They're unexpected. So maybe you could talk about that a little bit, Peter. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I took, I took over a brewery that had, you know, uh, seven-year-old equipment. And so there it is right off the bat. Everything I thought I was going to spend um, – I'd say for every bill I expected, there were two that I didn't. And that sounds crazy, Ben. And I did my homework, too, but uh, the Daily Mail would arrive, and it's bill, 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 (laughs) one check in. And that was the nature of the business in the beginning, and that's very nerve-wracking and scary. Yeah. Talk about being a miserable bastard. Checking your mail every, checking your mail every day is one of the most miserable things you can do when you're doing yeah, this. You're hating Monday and you're hating payday. <laughs> yeah. 
it's those unexpected bills uh, that are eating into your checking account that you weren't expecting. So okay, uh, you need a backup little flush fund and uh, okay. to make those emergency five thousand, seven thousand dollar payments, whatever it is. Yeah, and if you can get a line of credit. All the better. I'm not saying you know fill it up, but it's there. Did you, know, did you get emergency. a line of credit? Oh yeah, you and did. It's just an emergency. That's just to make sure. I always pay it back down to zero when I can. But okay, if um, you don't mind, can I just use you as a very specific example? You know, what did you do? Here you were volunteering for a brew company that you saw an opportunity to buy it. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, what did you do specifically to get money to do that? Well, my other company had uh, acquired some money, and, and, and rather than buying more notes and trust deeds, which is what I was doing, I was buying notes from contractors in that finance business, okay. I uh, decided to save it, uh, and I started thinking about opening a brewery, and I started thinking about the magic number of saving $100,000 to make this happen. So I didn't really know what. I was thinking of, of a farmhouse type thing. I was going to buy maybe some property or, or you know, lease something inland San Diego and screw around with some Belgian styles. Yeah. And then the opportunity came up for Alesmith. Now, Alesmith is three miles from my home. My other business, uh, I worked with my father, and he had passed away that February. And this came up for sale in April. The asking price was around what I had saved. Uh, everything just seemed to be almost like it was a message, like, Okay. This is for you. It was. It was almost. Uh, you know. It seemed destined. Okay. Um, so we we negotiated back and forth for a few weeks. And, and uh, what's what I, is that like? That when you're negotiating, is that you, you know he sets the first price and and you lowball him? What what? How do you negotiate? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Exactly. It, it's like any other real estate transaction. Um, I had heard of what someone else had offered him, and I had offered a little bit more, but it was far from what he wanted. So oh, okay. We, we bickered back and forth. Um, I, I, I am a broker as well, a uh, real estate broker, so I, I oh. had a little experience with that. Yeah, nice advantage. So, um, yeah, I don't think I came out that well. I think um, sellers tend to underestimate the value <laughs> of the goodwill part of the sale. Um, okay. A, a business is made up of three elements. It's the equipment and your inventory and the goodwill and the goodwill is the unknown it's sort of how strong are you of a, of a business of a marketable name uh, how you know is Alesmith going to attract sales and how much is that worth and uh, okay. I think he had it undervalued by about fourfold wow. the goodwill of Alesmith is just tremendous uh, and you didn't and tell him that <laughs> no of course not <laughs> yeah but you know what it is for all you listeners that are thinking of this I must say a it is a very, very exciting time. You are, you are negotiating and, and thinking about really realizing a dream, and that can be overwhelming. Um, not a lot of us get to get too close to our dreams, and I haven't had a lot of success with it. But every now and then, you get to, you know, win your World Series and win your Super Bowl ring yeah. in a different form, and life is very exciting. So both, that first year was. Uh, crying for happiness and crying for sorrow, and a lot of it all year long. But, you know, a very exciting time. Did it help you pick up chicks now that you own a business, Peter? You know, I thought it would be better. Um, the business is requiring so much of my time that <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the problem. 
But there are beer groupies out there, yeah. Poor lonely Peter. The beer groupies <laughs> working Ooh. all the time. In, yeah, in uh, female, uh, females out there, Peter <laughs> at alesmith.com. Yeah. Single, and I own a brewery. Yeah. I live in San Diego, sunny yeah. San Diego. Uh, he's so busy, he can't even service himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Poor Peter's hands are lonely. He's got to work so much up there. Don't go there. <laughs> Sorry. My fault. <laughs> Uh, all right. You know what? Um, you know, I am just scratching the surface of the questions here. I want to take a quick break, and if we can hold on to you, what I want to do when we come back is kind of just rapid fire this stack of questions I got at you. We're going to skip around topics and just shoot all these good questions from the listeners at you. Can we do that? You're sure. Tell- we'll try to give a little briefer answer so we can get through. You're tell them what's time. coming at the end. Let's do that. Oh yeah, and by the way, get ready for we're going to do stump the brewer at the end of the interview. A little game we like to play here, Peter, where our listeners uh, come up with <laughs> trivia questions. I got. Uh, I think it might be hard this time. You know what? They Thanks were so the prepared. They they think so highly of you, Peter. The first time uh, this has happened, maybe the second. I actually got questions emailed to me a week ago <laughs> for stump <laughs> oh, the brewer. No. So uh, we'll do that at the end of the interview too. Uh, Although, right, I'll do my best. I don't have shit to give away, though, this week, but we'll do it anyway. <laughs> what the heck. Uh, all right, so Peter Zine from Alesmith is with us. And when we come back, uh, listeners, I promise I'm going to get your questions answered. I got them all in front of me. So hang in there. It's the Brewing Network with Peter Zine from Alesmith at alesmith.com. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Welcome back to the Brewing Network. Welcome. It's our Brewcaster show. And we've got Peter Zine from Alesmith on the phone with us. And he's giving us some good stuff about the unexpecteds and the and the and everything you need to know about yeah. getting into the business. Expect the unexpected. That's right. That's uh, It's a simple term that means that it really means a lot to well, expect. I think you brought unexpected. it home with expect three times as much as what you think you could expect. And In terms of money? Peter? Oh, yeah, pretty much money, yeah. And yeah. the outlay, oh, this and that. And, sure. And, and he's not, not too far off when he says... Five thousand here, seven thousand there. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Just write the freaking check because that's what that's what's <laughs> going to have to happen to make it work. Because your vendors want that. Yeah. Uh, you need this. You need that. It's a it's it's a business now. Now, Peter, let's talk about that if we can be specific again. Uh, I've had a lot of people in here, and and we've asked them about uh, you know. So, what does it take to to open a brewery? And a lot of them say, well. Do you have a million dollars? Then forget about it. And they're very general about the whole kind of a thing. So, Peter, talk to me. What are we talking here to to start a brewery? And 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 now we talked about where to get the money. You know, a line of credit's a real good thing to cover those unexpected bills. Your friends and family are a real good uh, way to go and, and kind of ask for a little cash. Peter has said straight up, and I like that he said it. A lot of people like to beat around this. They he said. Save some money. Okay? It's a simple thing that's really hard to do sometimes. Save some money. But, Peter, what's the deal? Like, how how much are we talking here in the end? 
Oh, did I hang up on Peter? Yeah, it sounds <laughs> like you did. Battery's just being coy. <laughs> Got to ask that whole question again? That's the worst part. Where'd he go? Can you play it back? Yeah, Peter. Oh, that tone. Peter calls Don't take back. that tone with me. 888-401-BEER. Wow, I wonder how that happened. I didn't hit the button. It just dropped him automatically. I didn't like him. Poor guy probably thinks we were tired of the interview. Well, there he is. <laughs> yeah, it's probably crying. Hey, right. Peter. Hi. What happened, man? I don't know. Uh, I got a little worried there, so I, I called back. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, I did this really long question. Of course, it could have been a three-second question, but I'm, I'm an idiot, so it, I made it into a one-minute question. It, it was a Justin <laughs> blah 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 blah. Yeah. And it says, "Where's Peter?" I didn't hear any of it. Yeah, yeah I figured that. Uh, give you the short version because everybody else got it. Peter. Okay. Uh, you talked about getting a line of credit to cover the bills. You talked about where you could get money, friends, family. You, you definitely mentioned you got to save some money. How much are we talking here, really, when you got to get a brewery? And you don't have to give me the exact figure of when you bought yours, but if you could give me a ballpark so that people kind of know when you're getting into a thing like that. Yours was an established uh, brewery with the equipment in it. What, what are we talking here? Are, I mean, what do guys got to look for? Well, uh, you want to make sure you're getting a fair, you know, price on the equipment. So you, you know, I walked in there and I, I put values on all that equipment, what it would cost me to get all that. So, okay. you know, Alesmith was worth around one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and you know, that's that's kind of modest in the brewing industry. That seems really modest, actually. Yeah. That that mm-hmm. kind of blows me away. That's a really, uh, well, it's a big number for my bank account, but yeah. it's a small number in business. Well, it sure is, and a lot of it is because of the used equipment. There was a lot of used dairy equipment, and, and those open fermenters go for $500. And yeah. so yeah. the conicals that hold the same barrelage are, you know, twelve to $15,000. Right, okay. So there's some of the considerations you can make. You can get, you know, find used equipment, but, you know, we could, that could be a whole show, talking about right. going with open fermenters versus <laughs> conical. And and that definitely, I guess, I'm assuming that since you volunteered at the place, it had to help you that you knew how to use those open fermenters uh, as opposed to needing conicals because that's what you were used to. Right. Um, I, I went to the American Brewers Guild, and I learned a lot of stuff, but not much of it was applicable at Alesmith, which is pretty much a jerry-rigged brewery full of a lot of used equipment. Um, okay. I, I've, I've made some strides to change that in the last four years, but that's what I, I walked into. I'm picturing your place right now. like It's it's like a clubhouse with a bunch of like hoses and... Somebody's and, garage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, well, way, the way you say it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, just, just make sure you're imagining a 3,200-square-foot area, and that's what it is. And then next door, I have an identical 3,200-square-foot area that's just full of glass and, and bottles conditioning. Oh, okay. So. Now, I did have a question about square footage. So you're saying you've got 3,200 square foot just to brew in. That's right. And then 3,200 square foot of bottling and storage. That's right, yeah. So uh, if, if you could give, now that was your specific example, but the question from the listener was, you know, how many square foot are required for starting a brewery? And, and you know, maybe what other attributes of the building should they look for? Okay, well, you know, um, you, you want to find low rent. If you're not going to do a brew pub and you're just going to do a microbrewery, there's no reason for you to be in a, in a ritzy part of town or a high rent district. And that's why we're in a warehouse district. Good point. Uh, so uh, we're just producing beer, and it doesn't matter what it looks like in our neighborhood. Um, you know, obviously there's elements of, you know, you want some, you, know, you don't want a lot of construction going on around you or whatever if you're going to try to brew. Because mm, of contamination? Like yeah. yeah. I mean, you you kind of want to make sure you're. 
and that that was a problem for us for a while. I mean, that's probably why we pitch so much yeast. We're trying to give that beer a good head start. Right. We're not in a HEPA filter environment like uh, Anchor, and we do open fermenting. So, okay, got to be real careful. Interesting. Interesting just that you do open fermenting. You're right. See, we got a whole other show with you, man. Just about what you guys do there is really a whole other show. Yeah, I think the home brewers would get a kick out of it because you'll understand absolutely everything because it's what you're doing at home. Yeah. It's, not, it's just a little bit bigger volume. Right. Now, you said you valued the place at 150 grand. Are you, Now, you're just talking about the building and the equipment. That doesn't count, you know, the sales value and the, already the market value of the company, or that right. counted everything? There's a number of ways to value a business. And, you know, one of them is the three things you add up. You add up the equipment, yeah. and then you go around and you add up the inventory, and that means, you know, raw material plus packaged beer. Okay. And then you put a figure on the goodwill. And you add those three up, and that is the value of a business. Now, okay. uh, a, an accountant might tell you a different way. He might say, well, I want to look at it in terms of how many times gross, of, you know, what's it bringing in a year. Um, most businesses can be valued at two times gross. A business brings in $100,000, then two times gross would make it worth 200000 Okay. Um, Alesmith was pretty much worth, I mean, it was... Purchase price was about 0.75, so I I figured I was getting a good value in, in that respect. Yeah, you know, a lot it was of it grossing pretty good. A lot of it can be you know right, 70 percent of gross, uh, and when you buy a practice, you buy something, it, it all depends on how the guys in the suits. Yeah. Divvy it up because mm-hmm. uh, what is the equipment worth? What's the goodwill worth? Yeah, and exactly. and that kind of because tax wise, it's more beneficial to uh, the seller than it is to the buyer. Okay, mm-hmm. and and you can you can leverage that right when you're buying something, mm-hmm. and that's part of your leverage. Okay, so he's talking about buying something that's already been going and right. that kind of thing, uh, an established thing. So when you go into it. Uh, it all has to do with which place you put things because it will filter down over the next seven years in your taxes. Okay. Right, and that's pretty much what you value your equipment. That's going to be your tax bill every year. Right. Cause so you could, your accountant's kind of winking at you to keep that one, you know, low. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it's all kind of a balancing act. All right, back up for one second. When you say that that you got it for .75, are, are are you saying that you got it for seventy five percent of the value that it was rated at? No, the, um, no, no, the, the, the gross, gross production. So the produ- oh, the gross. You're just talking about production. Yeah, correct. It was grossing close to two hundred. So you know, if, they're, if, they're, if let's say they're making okay. a mil, okay. they're making a mil a year. Yeah, uh, he bought it for seven fifty. And and exactly. and is that a Okay, and and is that a, a regular thing? You would normally buy it for less than than what that yeah, gross value I, I, is on a, on a lot of. Business, business that are already going on. Yeah, uh, it, it has to do with the percentage of whatever their gross is. Okay, yeah. and, it, and, and, and it varies pretty much from from industry to industry. Okay, exactly right. Uh, Peter, what were you saying? Sorry, uh, I, was gonna, I just agreed with everything uh, oh, okay. you said there. That exactly right. Okay, so because that's interesting to me, I would have thought. You know, logic says a guy owns a business; it's making X amount of dollars. You can assume that he's at least going to get that X amount, right? And, and then, and then maybe more than that. But, but what you're saying is that you can often get it for a bit less than. Sure. Than, okay. And, and some of the factors that play in are 
the future, you know? What does the yeah. future look like? I was running into a seller that was kind of burned out on, on the back end of his brewing career. Okay. So the future didn't look too bright. And, you know, I made this amount, but I'm not so sure I can do and it again. Got, I'm not sure you can do it. you so. got to look at the last five years. Yep. Maybe he had some okay years in the last four, and he just had a, he decided, I'm going to sell it. And I'm going to smoke these next this next year because he knows he's going to sell it, and he just like really pumps it up. A lot of sales. He he gets some sales guys up going. Yeah. And he gets the sales guys to really pump up the sales. Yeah. And then he says to the broker, "I want to sell the biz." Yeah. And that really pumps everything up. So you can't really go off of whatever this year's gross is. Right. Yeah, look, look over the last five years and see what he's going. Okay. Yeah, you, you don't want to buy an artificially uh, bright place. Yeah. Right. Okay. Good point. Great yeah. point. Okay. I got to do this. A question just came in from the chat. Now, I need a hard number. I need a number because people, so, and I guess, and you can only speak for your specific, uh, mm-hmm. you know, place, obviously. So, you're 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 now thinking about buying Ailsmith, all right? You you've been you've been doing your other thing for a while. You see the opportunity. You want to buy Ailsmith. You've you've brokered the price. You've figured the whole thing out, okay? How much capital are, are, does a person need in your situation to make the buy and go into business? Well, I'll give you hard numbers. You know, I I paid one fifty, and then I put aside three hundred thousand to run it. And I figured okay. that would get me through my three-year lease period, even if I was losing money, because right. I was forced to sign a personal guarantee on the lease, which means yeah. I can go out of business any time during it, but I'm responsible for the rent. <laughs> I've seen that guarantee. That yeah. sucks. And yeah. it's more and more common down here where yeah. our market's really tightening up. So okay. I, uh, I, I didn't want to do it half-ass. And I guess some of those numbers are a little big, you know, and I, and I don't, I think it could be done for half of that. Someone could... You know, have a seventy-five thousand dollar thing in mind, and then have a, you know one hundred and fifty thousand or two hundred thousand dollars saved to run it. Yeah. Because if you think you're going to sell every drop of your beer right off the bat, <laughs> and you have no reputation other than a home brewer, yeah, that's not guaranteed by any by any. Uh, yeah. I think that falls into my let stupid people die category, Doc. <laughs> you are not going to sell all your beer. <laughs> if you think yeah. you are, your business will die. <laughs> now imagine if you have a you buy a 30-barrel system and you brew one batch of beer. Yeah. You have 60 half-barrel kegs sitting around, <laughs> and you have no accounts, and you're self-distributed. Right. And I'm kind of painting a worse case here, but... yeah. You know uh, that you might have trouble sleeping when your your cool box is filled to the top with kegs that are clicking away. The time is uh, going away yeah. on the, on its shelf life. I'd be drinking no myself to it. sleep. No, see that's when that's when you go to the places and you give them. I'm going to give you a keg. Well, <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you, right. make sure, you make sure you tell them who it's from, and yeah. then the second one we'll talk okay. about what we're going to sell it to. Well, Otherwise, it's going to be it's going to be their dying. Yeah, tell me what you think about that. Do you I, do that? I don't approve of that at all. No, you, and, no uh, it. it if, yeah. if you start up, that's what you're going to be doing. <laughs> what, what, do well, you th- what do you think about that? Well, you know what? That is a, le- a legitimate conversation piece here. I, I think the, there's, there's a, a bunch of different ways to look at that. I, I think what's going to happen, if you start doing the giveaways, you're going to make uh, enemies quick. And it's, 
it's not, you know, a dastardly thing. No one's going to get out to hurt you. But I'm just saying you can go a lot further by playing with, with your uh, compatriots. Well, 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 but what I'm just saying, the worst case scenario, when you've got zero sales, yeah, you're, right. not gonna, you're not going to have zero sales. You're not going to go into it with nothing. It's a promotion. Uh, yeah. You're, you're going to have some contacts. You're going to have some things going on. But when you go, to one, you know, try uh, maybe a new bar. Says, I don't want. I don't even know you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you give him a five gallon keg. You don't give him, a, you know, big keg. You give him a five gallon keg and okay. say, Inter- introduce my beer into it. Yeah. Right and now. That's still a no no. That, Is it? Uh, yeah. It's illegal, and um, it, I'm not saying it's not done. But um, I'll give you okay. a real-life example here. San Diego was pretty much uh, the Wild West as far as that was concerned yeah. in the early 90s, and that went on left and right. When Stone entered the picture as a distributor, yeah. I think Greg and, and the gang, their number one goal in distributing was to clean up the act. You know, the yeah, maybe, maybe that's where I got it from yeah. <laughs> before that. Yeah, yeah. So, so they went out of their way to tell people, if you want our beer, yeah. you're going to have to purchase it. And and if they were if they ran into the old school guys that wanted you to paint their place or give them umbrellas or whatever, yeah. they lost those accounts. But but he remained strong. And now we're in a much healthier market for all brewers. Right. We're all thankful for that. You know that it, it, you I have a little experience with this too. I did some purchasing just for bars and whatnot, and I was astonished about how even keel the prices are for a keg, because I see how they sell. Right, so I would have thought, okay, the better selling kegs we buy for more money, the not so good selling kegs we buy for less. And I'll tell you, the fluctuation is a matter of two dollars. It's right. a very small thing. And this goes back to the point that Peter talked about in the beginning where it says don't undercut the competition because no. because you can. Um it, it, because you might shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. You know, it is. Uh, it's well, interesting. Know, and, and value, value what you do, and value your product. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're talking pennies when you're giving away fifteen and a half gallons of beer for one hundred and six dollars. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's. You got a value. Got a lot of room in there for you. And that's a tough thing to do. It's it's you know in your market, Peter. I'll say it's a little easier because you know what the going rate of of a, of, of a barrel of microbrew is, and mm-hmm. you and you go within that, and and you're able to get your cost of producing that. Just like everybody else is, right around that area. So mm-hmm. you've got it set. I'll I'll reveal a bit about the Brewing Network right now. It's tough for us to value our product, to mm-hmm. be quite honest, because we are we're a breaking market now. Advertising yeah. is advertising, but we're a new avenue of advertising, and that's wow. our that ends up being our product here that we can that we can make money at. So so what we're what we're stuck doing is sitting around here and going okay. We've got a heap of listeners all over the world. We've got a lot of people tuned in. We've got a lot of a product to sell. But we don't necessarily... The, our, our example of the rate to sell it at is across the board. There is no standard. Uh, if you're buying... like, Let's talk about Internet ads for a second. If you're buying banner ads just from a random place, the price for that can be anywhere from, from really low to really high. It's such an emerging market. There's no industry standard, and so you know we hang around going, you, you got to figure out your market value. And I think that you make a great point, Peter, about you. You don't undercut yourself too. You don't say because I'm new, I'm worth less. You right. you say this is the product we have, and it and it is good, and it is just as good as the other guy. And it, yeah, and it, it is it is tempting to let your mind go there to go. You know, I could sell a lot more beer if I lowered my prices or if I did a sale. But right. I would urge you to always keep your mind thinking in the other direction. 
this beer deserves to be charged more for. And, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily going to raise the price, but I'm just saying, you know, I'm, that's the way I walk into bars when I talk about my beer. Yeah. It's, uh, you know what? You're, you'll be happy with it, and, and you'll make a lot of money off it, too. That's what you got to do. It's a great point. Yeah, and there's, the, there's the introduction value. Yeah. Uh, someone that doesn't really want to do, you know, oh, it's a new beer, I only have four taps, how am yeah. I going to do you? But if you can convince them to do that, you get that, that in. Once you're in, and if you have a good product, yes, you should charge what you are really, really worth. Yeah. Now, we have more retailers and more bar owners now are waking up and they're um, – they're, they're warming up to purchasing our, our high-gravity beers, you know, our 10% and higher beers, that go for $154 a half barrel. And that's just, you know, $100 for a year was, was the breaking point. You know, keg prices hung out at 99 for years. And so we have product out there at 154 and and some of them would balk, but then they realize they're selling $4.50 cups of it, you know, 8 ounces of it. Yeah, uh, they're getting fifteen and a half gallons. They're turning that, you know, many many times over in sales. And if somebody can't get that quality somewhere else, they're going to come to their bar for that kind of thing. Exactly. All right, here's what I want to do with you, Peter, because I got this stack of questions. I'm, we're going to do a rapid fire. Okay, let's go. So we're going to try to keep it short. I want to mention real quick, by the way, that uh, Danielle is hammered off your beer right now. All right. She <laughs> she drank most of the bottle of Grand Cru that we had. We all had a small sample, but she then bogarted the whole thing, and uh, she's she's having a hard time even keeping her. Her, head her up. cheek is like got keyboard marks on it because she's laying funny. on the keyboard. Danielle, how? I oh, promised okay. all of you more beer, and I will make sure that is delivered to you. I hope uh, you'll so. Have plenty of it. <laughs> she can't okay. even talk. If there's one thing I'm ever gonna I'm ever gonna complain to you about, Peter. It's gonna be that I didn't get more good beer. Okay. <laughs> Just gonna let you know, Daniela. You want to you want to make a testament to his grand crew real quick? It's awesome. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you like it. Oh, it, it really. Got, uh, we also have a beer named Horny Devil that might appeal to you. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> You've got a drunken German beauty hanging around oh, off no. of your beer. Okay, here we go. Uh, do you bottle your beer right out of the chute, or do you suggest selling draft in the beginning? Um, I suggest going draft only from the beginning okay. and then working your way into bottling at a later date. All right. Uh, what's the average price to sell a 5-gallon or 15-gallon keg uh, for? And are there regulations on the price? We were just kind of talking about that. So, Well, you're allowed to set whatever price you like, but you need to post that price. Uh, with the state of California. And, oh, okay. And then that posting will be what you sell your beer for. Okay. And, um, you know, there's wholesale levels and retail levels. Now, I know you're uh, maybe uh, maybe only familiar with California. Do you know if that's a, is that a, a state-by-state thing? Excuse me. Yeah, when, when you want to sell in another state, you need, uh, you'll need to apply in those states for uh, ex- importing into those states, and that requires a fee and price posting and uh, label submission. Okay. Now, uh, in dealing with the same sort of thing, uh, how much? Pr- another question from the listener is: How much problems are there with the local authorities in setting up a brewery? And I assume they don't just mean the police, but uh, just the kind of whole local, you know, business at hand. Yeah, I don't know if I'd use the word problems. It's just like anything else. There's a bureaucracy involved, and and your first starting point is your the, your local ABC office, Alcohol Beverage Control in California, and they have packets, uh, startup packets that guide you through a checklist of things you need to do to get licensed. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, here's a question that's interesting that, that it, again, I think we'll, we'll go in depth with you when we get you here and talk about your brewery. 
But it's about the schooling. And, and this particular question is, uh, let me give you two of them. The, the first one is, you know, tell the story about the steps you took to school yourself, uh, you know, enough to be out on your own. And then the other one is, what do you think about going to these programs like the Davis program or the Siebel Institute of Technology? If you can kind of add that in there, what are your thoughts about that? Well, uh, you know, my schooling's varied, you know, right from my law degree right through. But when it got into the brewing stuff, um, the American Brewers Guild, I, I think their program is best suited to the startup brewer or, the, you know, the real hands-on. And I think the more technical ones, which I would consider the Davis course and the Siebel courses, um, if you're looking for an industry job, maybe with an allied industry or, or one of the larger breweries, um, then those are the better route. But um, I, I think the American Brewers Guild, uh, Steve Parks and Company, uh, excellent, excellent course to get get going. And uh, where's whether, that one at? Um, that's an online one, actually. Okay, he's, he's out of Vermont. Um, what you do is you do a correspondence course, and you also uh, you you go online every night, and you, you have a chat room. And you go for a, wa- a lab week. You go for one week, and you work in a real lab and a real brewery. And uh, there's many, many uh, wonderful brewers that have come out of American Brewers Guild. And Matt Aiken, who works for me, is a recent graduate. So we now have two graduates at the brewery. Oh, nice. Are and are you doing the volunteer route, too, where you're not paying anybody? You're just getting no, people to... I'm running it like a real business. Um, sometimes oh, nice. when you have volunteers, you get volunteer quality work and, yeah. and that's not always the best so um we have a wonderful crew of four people and well doc imagine. volunteers and uh you're right you sometimes you get questionable to fire, uh, you know you can't fire someone if they volunteer yeah, <laughs> he, can. he can fire me anytime yeah, it's, <laughs> in, in radio the volunteer deal is such a big thing uh radio is so cheap big radio i mean it's so cheap that they, they want more interns than, than anything else and there are so many free workers in radio and it's only the guys who have like been up through that bout and that mm-hmm. kind of say you know what this sucks it sucks to do to these kids these kids show up at like 4 a.m to do morning radio oh, wow. they get paid nothing they do uh-huh. it five days a week it sucks i like um, that you pay your guys one more thing on that education thing is i you yeah. know I, I read everything i got my hands on too as a home brewer so okay. you know start your career now if you're home brewing you know and, and even if it is a distant dream right now, you know, read everything you can. Learn. Or Learn. say, listen to a, a certain radio station that gives yeah, you great information. Because there's people there that read. <laughs> Jamil, you can attest to that. You're, you're, you were one of those guys when you, you kind of decided that you liked brewing and you just wanted to learn as much as you could, right? Yeah, it, it's kind of an, an addiction. You you need to to be able to uh, assimilate all that information and and have a desire for it and and Peter's one of those guys that really uh you know he when it comes to stump to brewer he, he's not going to have a problem <laughs> very good uh, it's going to take it's going to take a while to yeah. take him down i think <laughs> Jamil went right into it he mainlined right away yeah no, 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 a lot no. like his cocaine addiction but 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 the interesting thing is you know we're we're talking about me but really I'm just like a mirror of Peter. Yeah. Because, you know, oh, he, he, he went first, and he, he did all this stuff, and I'm just kind of following along in his footsteps. Pull your pants oh, you're, up, you're, you're seeing uh, me now. Yeah. This is, this is what Peter was doing a few gotcha. years back. So, so soon we're going to see the Jameel Smith Brewery, possibly. Yeah, you might. <laughs> that would be great. Jameel, by the way, Peter, is, is actually wearing an Alesmith shirt. And it's one of those oh, shirts no. that has, like, you know, that digital photo you can get of a person, and it's right on the front, <laughs> and it says, I heart Peter. 
Uh, this is it's it's it, it, this is actually a shirt that Peter produced okay. for Quaff for a for a competition. Cool. That Alesmith paid for. Okay. So. Right. We're we're real tight with the home brewers at Alesmith. Yeah. No, he's very generous. It's an awesome thing. Okay. Uh, how about this? We talked about this a little earlier, so maybe we can just give a quick one. How do you balance great and interesting beer versus making beer that appeals to everyone? Well. A good question. Um, you can make a bunch of choices here. Now, if you want to be a style brewer, then you're trying to hit styles, and that's what Alesmith is. You want to be inventive. You want to go the dogfish head route. Yeah. You can be inventive. Uh, these are things that require a little homework, though. You know, do you know? Make sure you know that you're going to be able to sell this. If it's uh, coming in without a tried and true recipe, is pretty risky. Okay. I don't know how to ask this one. Um... This is a very, it's kind of vague, but it's about, you know, you had mentioned we could do a whole show just about acquiring used equipment. And this one is uh, coming from somebody who says, uh, after I buy equipment off of the net, you know, and then have it shipped to me, says, what does he need to think about in terms of setting up? Is it, I guess maybe he's thinking of, you know, is it something he can do himself? Do Do you need a plumber? Yeah, I was going to say, I could tell by the way that question was phrased that here's a person who's probably not good at that sort of stuff or knowledgeable yeah. about it, and I will admit that that person is me. I'm, I'm, I wasn't that way. Okay. You can surround yourself with people who do know that stuff, and they're amazing to be around. I Right now, I have a man who's helping me with... Uh, actually, he's one of the founders of Alesmith, Ted Newcomb. Okay. And uh, he helps with the control systems. He's helping with the bottler... Th- this is what he does, and it's his strength. So, you know, don't be afraid to admit you can't do everything. You've right. You've got to get help on some stuff. Right. So uh, I would say, you know, have, have help with a broker purchasing, and then have uh, someone uh, recommend you a team of people or someone who can help you set up, because you'll have glycol systems, you'll have cooling things, you'll have heating things, you'll have boilers. You just can't know everything. <laughs> yeah. And you got to look at, you know, where, where are you going to set up? You're going to set up in a rental unit? Yeah. You're going to have yeah. a, a building built for you? What are you going to have? Right. So I I would suggest that you go visit as many microbreweries, brew pubs as you can yeah. and, and work their brain. Yeah. Right. Uh, what did it take? You didn't just move into this place and, and the landlord said, oh, yeah, we have floor drains. Uh, what's it going to take to make floor drains? How much electricity am I going to need in this place? Am I going to need a 440 or an 880, you know, electricity drop in here? So that's a yeah, great suggestion, yeah. and I'm I'm actually doing that right now because I'm trying to figure out the future of Alesmith, and I'm traveling around visiting breweries that uh, I admire their business plan. I find it similar to to my own, yeah, and I I like to see the next step they chose, right. So, yeah, that's I'm, always useful to see your comps. I'm going to go so far as to say that you don't only need specialists in the equipment part of your business, but you need specialists in every part of yeah. your business. So when you jump into to opening a business, like Peter was saying earlier, like all of a sudden you're the accountant, you're the marketing guy, you're the this, you're right. the that. And, uh, and I've learned myself that you just... Uh, uh, I kind of grew up going, you can learn to do it. Get a book, you learn to do it, son. Son, right. learn to do right? it. It's like that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and that's true. You can learn to do a lot of things. But there are so many aspects that hiring somebody, to, although it's going to cost you some more money, 
in the end, it's the better thing to do. Oh, because when, when they know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, there's a big difference between residential real estate and commercial real estate. Yeah. Uh, a good you, example. You, there's big differences. So if you're going to get somebody that's going to be looking for a property for you to put all that equipment you bought yeah. in some place, you don't get a residential real estate agent. You, mm-hmm. you, you try all the different... Uh, commercial real estate guys and you find somebody you like that was going to work with you just doesn't want to close the sale yeah he he's going to help teach you on no oh, you need this you need that instead of just the uh, guy yeah this is good for you it's 1500 square feet right it's good right absolutely and and every part of the business it kind of <laughs> goes like that we've we've learned some hard lessons here being on the internet and uh, jamil helped me learn a couple of them uh, another great listener of ours uh, who, who helps us a lot i just want to mention right now uh, code right and fool taught me a couple of these lessons where I'm, i sometimes i call these guys and i'm like hey i got to do this now and i have to do that and they finally just said to me justin you're just going to have to pay somebody eventually. You can't do it all. You just can't. You can't read enough in a short amount of time. And so don't be afraid to to hire people like a plumber for your for your for your equipment and an accountant for your money. Don't be afraid to do it. Delegate. Yeah, and you got you have to value properly value your time. And if you are doing something that uh, is not the highest use of your time, then you're you're undervaluing yourself. And, yeah. And you're not helping your company. That's right. It's true. It slows you down in the end. You think it's yeah. speeding it up and making it happen, and it slows you down. All right, how about this? You talked about learning as much as you can. Could you give us any titles of what you would recommend reading? Oh, boy. Any single beer book <laughs> that, that is sold uh, you know, by the AHA or anything. <laughs> I, I, okay. I can't get my hands on enough. I like to read the old ones. I'll, uh, I, you know, uh, The Brewer's Almanac, things from the 1800s. There's gems everywhere. You, you never know when you're going to run into something that gets your mind running. So I loved reading all the style books. Um, there's real technical ones. The, uh, the two volumes that have just come out of Germany in the last, uh, I think it was about five years ago, we finally got them in English. Wonderful books. So it just depends on your level. But uh, You're not talking about Mein Kampf. No. <laughs> totally different uh, reading. Completely different author. And, That's uh, good. Topic, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> well, do, you, do you know the names of those uh, offhand? The names you know, of those? I, I, my library has been moved down to the brewery now, and I don't have anything right here. I'm, okay. I'm at home right now, so I, I, I don't have that. But uh, All right. We're going to get you. Uh, I, he's one of these guys. I've had other guys in here who's just like throwing out links. I think Sean O'Sullivan was the last guy. Yeah. He's just throwing out these great resources, and I'm like, I can't write these down. I'm on the air. You, <laughs> I need you to send this stuff to me. If okay. if, if you got any time to, to compile oh, a list of links, man, that would just be cool. We'll put it right up on our forum. Sure. And then people can find that out. Um, all right. How about some easier questions? Uh, do you give tours of your brewery? Yes. Uh, the second and fourth Fridays of the month. Uh, we do a pretty comprehensive tour, about 45 minutes. Uh, I lead them, and uh, everyone uh, gets a pretty big kick out of our little brewery because it's just not typical. And I think home brewers really uh, seem to enjoy our tours. So, yeah, cool. I encourage you all to come for a tour if you're in the area on a Friday. Okay. I did have a question here. i got to mention it because I don't want people to feel I'm leaving out their questions. Um it is. It, it's about how much you saved using the dairy equipment versus using uh, using commercial brewing systems. Now you bought the equipment that was there, right? I suppose it's safe to say if that brewery was full of those, uh, you know, uh, ten thousand dollar conical fermenters, your your buying price would have been a lot more. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, those 
used dairy are very inexpensive. They come with their own sets of pros and cons, though, which we could go into. But uh, yeah. you know, they, they, they take a very large footprint, and they don't take up much of the, the vertical. So okay. they're not efficient use of space. And then there's that whole contamination issue. Yeah, yeah. Possibility. See, I so want to dive right into that with you right now. It's yeah, such a good question that you have open fermenters. We're going to do that next time. Another show. Yep. Yeah, it's tough not to <laughs> ask those good questions. I got you. Okay, uh, I got questions about uh, some high-gravity stuff for you. Okay. Here is okay. Um, if your high gravity comes out too malty, is there anything you can do to balance that out in the keg? Huh. Well, you are free to uh, you know add a hop element to it, but uh, the aroma isn't necessarily going to curb you, you know that maltiness. Uh, uh-huh. You're free to dilute. You know, okay. you want to bring that down. Add some water. Yeah. You gotta boil that water first, I assume. Yeah, I would recommend that just for sanitation <laughs> reasons. We tend to brew our beers all a little bigger than we want, and then we dilute them right before we whirlpool. Oh, you do? Yeah, and, so and that and gives then, us uh, real good control. That makes sure we hit our numbers. So you just take a gravity then right before you whirlpool and see what's happening. I mean, I guess you do that anyway, but yeah, well, we'll we'll um, we'll finish boiling and we'll do a gravity right then, and then we'll do some math and we'll determine how much uh, we needed to dilute it to hit our gravity that we want. And we're typically, at the end of the boil, you know, we're, we're a good point oh oh eight over what we want. And we got typically 40 to 80 gallons of water just to get it right where we want. And are you using a program to figure that out, or you guys just know no, it? You know what? It's fifth grade math. Yeah, it? it's easy. Yeah. You take it's, yeah. it's fifth yeah. grade math. Okay. I failed it. No, don't be, don't be afraid of it. It's just you got to take a couple extra things. To, you okay. take the, yeah, you take a volume. As long as you know the volume you have yeah. of liquid, you divide the gravity you want by the gravity you have. And okay. you take that number and multiply it by your volume, and that will tell you how many additional gallons you'll need to add. Interesting. And you do that, you said, with with almost all your beers? Yeah, all of them. Okay. Yeah, it's good. Well, he's, he's commercial, so he has to kind of come through with, with a lot of consistency. Yeah. Right. Now, yeah. when you do the gravity, though, you're not using the hydrometer because then the, the temperature is too high, right? That's right. We use a refractometer. Okay, gotcha. And you don't have to compensate for that because I because I want to do that now. You know, Doc, you and I were talking. I've screwed yeah. up my gravity a couple of times, and now I'm taking gravities all the time. But I don't have a refractometer, so you know what I did last time? I, I poured it out into a pint glass and put the pint glass in my freezer for like 20 uh-huh. minutes That'll to work. get it. You know, it, it, everybody it, does. It did work, right? Yeah. Everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got to do. Okay, here's another question about brewing. Um, should we use peat-smoked malt for scotch ales, or will that flavor come from the yeast? And hmm. also, what temperature should we ferment our scotch ales? Okay, well, that's someone who's read up on that style, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we haven't even got to something brewery think, I think Jamil can uh, pipe in here with that one. Well, I, I'm not a huge fan of the peat, but go ahead, Jamil. No, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, Neither do, of you use it. Do not use peat smoked malt in any beers. Oh, if you ask okay. Me. It's 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 a giant mistake. What is it? What's peat smoked malt? I don't know. The, the, well, instead of, when they kiln it, yeah. Uh, instead of using just heat, they use uh, peat to help smoke it. Okay. So the smoke flavor gets into the malt, like whiskey. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to use some of it, use very, very little. So no, it's too use, strong. Use zero. <laughs> just don't. 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 Peter, no. go ahead. Yeah, so I think the rock malts that come out of, you know, Germany will, will give you a slight smoke element without without what I consider not a pleasant smoking yeah. that the peat generates. But, you know, I, I said the person's well-read because, you know, the original smoking that's found in those ales, they say was a fermentation characteristic generated from the yeast. But 
you know, we uh, those yeasts have been pretty much cleaned up. It's hard to get it from the yeast anymore. Um, so we, I think I had mentioned already, we add, you know, five pounds to 1,400, right. and it comes through. And, uh, yeah, that's crazy, but it does. Yeah, if and gonna... we ferment that... Um, well, what temp? A little bit on the cool side. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to remember the numbers on the wee heavy. I think we ferment that at 66 degrees for the first few days, and then we do let it run uh, to, to make sure we get, you know, that it finished up. But we are looking for a little higher gravity on that. We mash at 160 on that. Okay. And so we're looking for about a 1020, 1019 on that finishing. Okay. Oh, here's a good one about professional brewing. Um, what do you think about starting out doing some contract brewing to break into professional brewing? And he says that a couple of breweries in his area, including himself, have been given the chance to brew... Oh, I don't, I don't see what that says on it. Oh, on a seven-barrel system? Is that what that is, Daniela? Seven BB. Seven BB, seven-barrel yes. system. Yeah. So, yeah, so what do you think about that? Oh, that's actually a controversial topic I found out, having guests in here about the contract brewing. What do you think about starting out doing that? Well, you know what? It's got some pros and cons. I think the pro is, you know, you have an opportunity to actually have a bottle or a keg out there and really get to test your market and, and get to see if you can sell all this. And, and if it doesn't work or if you run into some of the things that I ran into and, they, and, and you don't like doing it, you know, that really you want out, you, you got an out there. So it's a kind of a safe little way to do it. But, you know, you're, you're paying for that. You're not going to have a lot of money. I mean, you're not going to be doing this to make money at this point. It's going to yeah. be to test the waters. So, you know, that, that way, I, I don't really see anything that wrong with it. It, it is one way to go. Okay. All right, all right. I think that's going to... i got a couple more. Now it's just... just How about this? Here's what we're going to do. Because a couple of the questions I have are about your stuff specifically, which I want to get into, but I want to do the whole thing about it. So I want you to come in the studio, and I want to do a big show with you just about Ale Smith. Well, I'd be glad to. Okay. That would be the best thing. Yeah. Yeah, Have him come in, and we can talk about high-gravity brews, this awesome grand crew that he pumps out. Let, let's yeah. just let's just let's just be honest, Doc. It's the best thing because he's going to bring all that beer with him. <laughs> we just, <laughs> yeah. well, I told you I'd give you the beer anyway. So I he's going to load up his car like that. a bomb. I'll tell you what, I think he, I want you to save it and bring it up here with you. We're going to plan a show about your stuff. All right, um, thank you. So let me do this then. A, a good question I had that I think will be a, just a really good way to sum up and wrap up. I, I know it's it's a deep question, but maybe. Give us just a couple of points. This listener asked, um, what are the advantages and disadvantages of opening up a microbrewery? I think it's a great way to just kind of give us a few things on each side. Sure. Well, um, I'd say the pros are, you know, you are living the, the dream of, of, of making an income from beer and, that, and all that it entails, including festival appearances, speaking gigs, things like today on your wonderful show. And you know, you. it's got a certain <laughs> yeah. little bit of a rock star glamour to it. And uh, for a 40-year-old guy, uh, you know, that, it's kind of a thrill at this stage of your life to be able to, to uh, you know, make a difference in the beer world. Yeah. And then you want to talk the other side, the con side. You know, you're running a business, and, it, and it's a business that you need to be very close to. It's not something you can do remotely or have others do completely. Yeah. So it entails all of that. And... Like I had expressed earlier, you know, brewing is not, you know, it's not in the top ten of money-making businesses. It's, it's probably near the bottom, I would guess. It needs to be passion-driven. And if I can leave the listeners with anything, 
let's leave them with that. You know, if this is in your soul, if this is pulling at you, if it's all you're thinking about, yeah. you have the stomach for it, you've got a thick skin, the passion is there, uh, go for it. I, I'm not going to be the one to discourage you. Basically, if I can help you, you let me know. Peter it's not easy money. Hey, that's a nice offer right there. I yeah. want to make sure you all heard that. Peter just said, uh, I will help you do it. Just right. get him at Peter at Alesmith.com. And that's an awesome gesture, my friend. No, and I mean it. I'm, I'm a home brewer at heart, and I can't shake it. And I, I love kind of feel. I feel like I'm sort of the transition guy out there. And yeah. I, I, I hope to always be right here. Absolutely. Oh, that's, that's cool, man. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, so it's Peter Zine from Alesmith, and it's down in San Diego. Look him up if you're down there and get a brew tour. Check it out because he says it really will relate you to the homebrew community and kind of check things out. Uh, we're, we do have to do Stump the Brewer with you, though, Peter. I'm not Great. letting you go. I'm just <laughs> making, sure, hook, making sure everyone knows who you are. Oh, boy. And uh, here's where we, so, so we got all the uh, – we got all, uh, I answered, I think, pretty much all the questions uh, from the listeners about doing the pro-brew thing. And it sounds to me like Peter's nice enough to take your questions also, and he says that it's Peter at alesmith.com. Yeah, so, uh, and I, I mean that. You want to contact me? Go ahead. You, okay. you write me, and I'll, I try to get back to everybody. Very cool. He's a busy guy. He's, he's a one-man show down there, and uh, Doc, you can relate to that. So uh, you, you might not get back to every single person, but uh, it sounds like he tries to do it. Well, you know what? If, if I, I don't write back right away, it means I'm brewing that day. But I do have a wonderful staff of four, and uh, you know, we're all we're all passion-driven into this business. Okay. All right, uh, Daniela, did you get stumped? The, by the way. Peter, I gotta say again, <laughs> Peter Danielle has never been totally hammered on the show, and she is just wrecked right now. Well, I told you it was ten percent. <laughs> and she has a smile bottom. on her face. Yeah, like, she, oh, she's smiling. She, her eyes are half open. She's begging me to end the show. <laughs> Daniela, how are you over there? Good. <laughs> are you getting stumped? The brewer questions in there as well? No. Okay, because I got so, I got these three questions. <laughs> no. Uh, what did you say we have to give away? We don't have anything to give away, do we? We can have a um, bobblehead shirt. <laughs> give away another bobblehead yeah, shirt? Yeah, we can do that. Okay, we'll do that. All right, you ready, Peter? I'm ready. <laughs> uh, what brewery did George Errett start in 1866 that was named for the neighborhood it was established in? 1866? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a hint. I'm gonna guess that you've heard of this brewery for one, because I have, which makes me think you definitely have. Uh, George Erhart E H R E T started it in 1866, and it was named after the neighborhood that it was in. <laughs> and by the way, if they don't get you on this one, they will soon anyway. Don't worry about it's it. It's not Yingling. Sorry. It's, it's not. That's correct. Jamil, you're looking inquisitive there. You got an idea? I was going to say Yingling. Oh, you were too, yeah. It's not. Um, although it is on that side of the of, of the country, I do believe. A little further onto that side of the country. I'm like, could be wrong about that. How long do I get? Yeah. Are you gonna Are you going to Google it? <laughs> I don't have a computer. <laughs> you take a little time. There's nothing else in the chat room there, Daniela? There's nothing else in the uh, chat room there from uh, Guest of Brewer? Just that one? I got another one. I, I can throw another one at you, too. It's from the okay. same guy, so either okay. one, it's fine. Uh, we've done this one before. 
This one is, uh, what was the first brewery to sell over a million barrels in one year in America? I guarantee you it's on tap in a lot of the places that you might go to. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm trying to I have a couple in mind here, but I just want to think it out for one second. Okay. Hint him. I did. I said it's on tap at as probably a lot of the breweries around him, especially near San Diego State, and uh, it's real cheap too. Daniela, go I on. got one. You got <laughs> <laughs> You're just so cool. Yeah, I think we're gonna do guest Daniela next week <laughs> instead of guest Doc. That could be entertaining. Yeah. Go ahead, Daniela. Okay, name. Oh wait, wait. You're gonna give another question. Hang on. Oh. Uh, do you have an answer to that one, Peter? Uh, I'm still thinking about the first one. The first one, and not this. Okay. So we don't want to bombard him with too many. Let's say the first one's done. I don't think. Throw out a throw out a guess for the first one. I don't know that you're going to get it actually. Oh boy. Um, From 1866. And it's named after a neighborhood. Yeah. I guess that's what's really holding me up from even guessing. Abita. Hell's Gate Brewery. Hell's Gate. Hell's Gate. Got me. That's East Coast, right? That's New York or something, isn't it? Kitchen. Hell's, oh, that's Hell's Kitchen, right? Yeah. My bad. Now the next one is the Schlitz. Uh, you know you're close, but not correct. It's Pabst. Oh, I, I, Pabst. I, I, I actually would have guessed Schlitz because I. Oh, I walked, you would have too. I walked back yeah. in at the. I heard that. And uh, I, I, PBR. I was wow. Yeah, the old PBR. I get. Hey, I gave you the college hint, Peter. I couldn't Thank help you out more than that. I know you, you know, did. You know, you know right. the movie thing. It's like. Yeah, Danielle, Pap, Pap, go ahead. Blue ribbon. What's the next one? The next one will be name four Australian beers. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. That's pretty good. I like um, that. Castlemaine, Foster's, yeah. Cooper and Son, okay. and Lions. Wow. There you go. Very nice. All right, so See, not stumped there. If, if you ask Peter, Peter, it's like me. If you ask him stuff about actual brewing, yeah, or styles, right, you'll you'll never stump him. Well, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll head too much with that stuff. Yeah, he'll, but he'll go forever. The but the history and you know, yeah, well, you know, that's the same thing with anything too. Like I know the history of broadcasting, but if you asked me the date that like Marconi did the first uh, telegraph across the country, I you know I don't know. <laughs> and, and you ran across it, but but since you've been special. Specializing, that's where you need to go. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> that's my excuse. I'm sticking to it. Hey, you should. That's perfect. That's fine. <laughs> we'll give away a couple of shirts for you, and that'll be, that'll be all right. Daniela? I got another one. You got oh, another stuff? All right, do it. You want to hear it? Yeah. Who started the first brewery in Nebraska back in 1857? <laughs> 1857? Yeah, 1857. There's got to be still only one brewery in Nebraska, right? How about the Buffalo Brewing Company? No. Oh, that bad. was a good guess, though. <laughs> that was a great guess. I <laughs> give it not to stumped. Yeah. Why not? The What's answer is Jacob Beerschlag. Wow. Oh, everybody knows that, Peter. What's wrong yeah. with you? <laughs> Dang. I got another one. This Slacker. is, this oh is actually God. pretty interesting, too. Yeah, yeah. Who wrote the Belgian Ale Style Book? Wait, I want to make sure that all these oh, people Pierre, know they're not getting uh, prizes. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Pierre, um, somebody... Do I get half credit? Yeah, what is it? Danielle, did they put the answer there? Is it Pierre something? I don't it know. Is. They didn't put the answer. <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> She's seeing double. It's apparently Pierre Pierre. <laughs> she can't tell. <laughs> it's all blurry to Daniela. Tell him to put it in a bigger font for her. <laughs> yeah, please do. 
Put it in Grand Cru font, please. <laughs> I need more Maybach. <laughs> yeah, between Peter's and, and Jamil's Maybach. Well, I'm uh, out of Peter's stuff now, so I go for the Maybach again. Jamil and I are basketball fans, and we support... Uh, he, he's a Kings fan, obviously, and I'm yeah. a Timberwolf because my roots are Minnesota. So oh. when, when our teams are in... you know. He, He's going to the playoffs this year. I don't get to, but uh, in other years past, we've made bets, and I'm, I'm it, always and paying we bet them. each other's beer. And uh, <laughs> no, 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 yeah, because you get his think, beer. I don't think I've ever won. I think no, every time I'm yeah. like sending you six packs. <laughs> yeah, so I have twelve beers, and I, I cherish them. I often share with others, but uh, and they come, you know, in typical Jamil style. They come. Uh, labeled and numbered, and you know, yeah. with the uh, you know the reference, so you you can track them down. Later. Pictures of him in his cryogenic yeah. suit as he's uh, <laughs> bottling them for you. <laughs> All of that stuff. Well, Peter Zine from Ailsmith, you can go to www.ailsmith.com and check out the, the, it really is a wonderful world of Ailsmith and lots of good beers on there. And it gives you great information about everyone, as I said earlier. So, uh, really, check it out. And if you're in the area, go and, uh, go and get a tour from the man. Send him an email. It sounds like he'll accommodate you real nicely. Absolutely. So, Peter, I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate you coming on the show and doing this for us. Oh, it was my, pl- my pleasure, and I want to thank you very much for the opportunity to, to reach your, uh, your uh, listeners like this. Very good. I'm telling you, I am going to bug you about coming up here. I, oh, uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to it, and right. well, I'll bring my beers, and we can, we can have a real good time. I think so. What, what we'll do, I think, is we will plan a high-gravity show, which is what we were going to do uh, originally, and we'll talk uh, you know, not only about how to brew these great high-gravity beers, but we will absolutely talk about the whole lineup of Ailsmith stuff and, and the open fermenting that you do. And I mean, there's really just a whole line of stuff we got to get to you about. I think a lot of stuff that most people don't do that you have experience in that you'd like to share with us. Yeah, and if I can save you a mistake or two, or you know, that'd be my pleasure. Well, Very that's good. all always what it's about. And then we'll just get drunk and hang out, Peter. Now you're talking. You, put your, <laughs> you can put your jammies on and hang. Yeah, yeah. just don't interrupt the Sopranos. Yeah. That's the important part. That's right. All right, really, Peter, thanks very much, and we're going to get you uh, up here as soon as we can, and go to alesmith.com to check it out. Thanks, buddy. Hey, thank you again. My pleasure. All right, take care. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. There you go, the great Peter Zine, and uh, Danielle is asleep on her keyboard, so no, don't no, bother she's, typing she's like, anymore. She's like four and, uh, inches from that screen. I'm sharp awake here. What's that? I'm totally sharp. Hang on. You're, you're, you're totally sharp. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. she's four I'm inches, reading a joke right Four inches from that monitor. I want you to say, she sells seashells by the seashore. She sells seashells by the seashore. <laughs> what Sorry. was it? She, she sells... sells she sells... Yeah. <laughs> you're a Seven devil. slippery Peter, swans. yeah, Peter Piper pecked a pickled pie. No. no Peter Piper pecked sucks. a pipple pie. <laughs> no. A pipple pie. No. Seven slippery swans swam swiftly seaward. <laughs> can you do that, that one? one? Yeah. She can't do the other one. She's not going to do that one. She really has to get really close to the monitor now to read the chat room. How many sheets could a slit, sheet slitter slit if a sheet slitter could slit sheets? <laughs> I'm surprised you could do it still. I not. know. Are you going to cook tonight? <laughs> no. Uh, no, I brought sandwiches. We're good. Oh, we're good. Oh, good with sandwiches. Jamil, you were you were looking a little, uh, sl- you know... Like your own beer hit you there too. I'm still jet lagging. Yeah. He's jet lagging, and he's Maybach oh, lagging from too. the Euro trip. And uh, yeah, the the gallon of Maybach I drank and the Grand Cru. Yeah, yeah, we we worked that keg. <laughs> yeah. Is it empty yet? No, uh, I've got half. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm still gonna keep going. I got a little like, yeah, couple beers left yeah, in me. Getting up yeah, at the crack of dawn. Uh, crack of know, noon. Five, five o'clock this morning. And yeah. Two o'clock oh, in the I morning yesterday. And I uh, did too. Yeah. So hey. my mom screwed up. Yeah, when the kids are poking you, daddy, daddy, what time is it? No, I'm getting up, answering email and questions about brewing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bub, you're on the air. Hey, how are you? I hereby, I hereby nominate. Daniela for drunk of the week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you could see right now. You know what? I think that's a great idea. For the first time ever, uh, a brewcaster is a drunk of the week. It, and it's quite classic when she's typing into the chat room that she's licking chocolate boobies. <laughs> <laughs> I never said that. She, she's had four boobies now. It's true. She was licking she's chocolate several boobies. several boobies, yes. Can you tell by her typing patterns that she's hammered also? Actually, she's typing okay until she started typing in German there. <laughs> yeah, she forgets sometimes. <laughs> it was quite, cl- you know, we're like, uh. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it was German or it just looked like German. <laughs> no, no, it was German. I'm telling you, she really is. You can tell she's a little saggy in the face and no, the whole bit. But saggy oh, you, in the face. Well, no, your eyes. And it just makes oh, you relax. online. You see she's a little tense. <laughs> yeah. You know what? She's very relaxed and she's got a cool, cool smile on her face. It's great. I got to say, I think I'm the only brewcaster left to fall. I think everybody who's been in here has gotten drunk enough that it's real noticeable and everyone's... Uh, I mean, look, we've all had the slight notice. Oh, not me. But we've all been... Uh, <laughs> even Jamil, when he hung out the one time, everyone knew he was get, just hanging out and getting hammered. Uh, we've, we've, oh, yeah. we've heard Chicken Boy get hammered. I, and I've it's gotten comments. Time. I've gotten a lot of comments about people disappointed in me. I think I'm... At Dan- it was Danielle and I. We were a team. Uh, but now she's fallen. I'm the last brewcaster oh, to fall. She, she, even the she found some beer that she really No, likes. not even on the drunk show. I did get drunk, but it wasn't like noticeable. Oh, it's please. Peter's it wasn't beer. noticeable. Yeah. Have you actually I didn't listen to it there sober? Was, there was a little well, bit what of... what am I uh, asking here? <laughs> yeah. Do I listen to anything sober? <laughs> there was a, I mean, look, I'm not saying you couldn't tell I was drinking, but... Uh, oh, there's please. No, there's, no, there's been no drunkenness. Dude, you were oh, hammered. Yeah. You were tanked. Oh, he was not. I was there. Oh, I could not tell at all. he was not hammered. I just yeah. want to say that I'm I did not talk one. about licking chocolate boobies. How did I know then? I don't know. Yeah. This oh, yeah, because it just magically came into my head, Daniel. Yeah, what do you think? It might be. You think the chat guys are just hanging around thinking about licking chocolate boobies? That yeah. would be they, weird. They yeah. are now. Actually, yes, we are. <laughs> they are now. Yeah. Well, I it think, was a random guess, but no. I think you're right, Bob. Peter's stuff. This Smith stuff is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> you, you Thank can, you, you, Peter. You can drink a bottle of that all by yourself. Jesus, it's, seriously. It's so good. I, oh, it's good. It might be like my favorite thing now. I oh. think I'm going to be bringing some next time. <laughs> all, all, all of Peter's beers are like that. You, really? You, you just be amazed at yeah. You know, it's just amazing, the range, really. the, the the wide range of things he's doing, uh, and then how they're all just so incredibly drinkable, and yeah. You, yeah. You, you, he's got a huge following, and people just just die but for a, his beer. A lot of times, Dan- Daniela have a, have some beers in front of her, like give me a beer, and she'll take a couple of drinks, and you know, the the glass will just sit there. The rest of us are done. Yeah. There's none in front of her now. <laughs> and I have exactly. one, two, three, four, five glasses in front of me. <laughs> she kept saying she was getting up to get more Maybach. <laughs> yeah. You know, the chat room would be dead for like ten minutes, and then all of a sudden it'd come back up, and she's like, just came back with another Maybach. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, hey, it's, way to keep it going. I don't even have to get up from my chair to get a Maybach. Yeah, you just reach over. Bub, what have you been drinking tonight? I, I brewed a uh, Heffa a few weeks ago, and I'm drinking some of that. Nice. Yes, it was uh, what it was uh, adequate, but not great. You got the weather uh, for it? 
I like it in really hot weather and just. All right, did I say my back? No, no, you no, said, said half. half. You said oh, half. Okay, no, no, no. I uh, no, no. It's storming like a mofo out here. Oh. Actually, I, I should be under the stairs right now. What yeast did you use? Thirty sixty eight. The only the only half a yeast. Okay. All right. You're a fan and of that. I, then. My my gravity came a little low, so oh. it's a little on the weak side. So okay. I'm not slurring I think as you much need, as I should. You need yeah. a new yeast. <laughs> <laughs> No, 3068 is the only half of yeast. Is that right? Doc, what do you use? Uh, the WLP... You don't know. I think it's the 400 or the 380. It's three-something. Yeah, oh, it's like the 380. The 300s. Uh-huh. Interesting. No. All right, Bub, thanks for the call, man. I think you're right. Danielle is the drunk of the week. And, and Bub, it's storming here, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I can look forward to it. It's raining lightly. Couple more days. Don't worry. There you go. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> All right, bye. Let's see ya. All right, uh, Daniela, you're the drunk of the week. How about that? Woo-hoo. Congratulations. <laughs> Celebrate with another beer. That's yeah, I beer. should have some more my box. Yes, you should. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> not <laughs> your box, it's my box. <laughs> Jamil, uh, the Jamil show's coming up uh, not tomorrow, but uh, the Get following the following Monday. you got another week to prepare for it. And let me see. What's the what do we got on, that on there? One? Oh, nice. American Pale Ale. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. American Pale Ale. A friend of mine. That's the one I've been trying to do for uh, for a while now, and and uh, haven't quite gotten it right yet. I think the trick for you uh, on American it's, Pale Ale would to stop be, brewing. Yeah, have Daniela <laughs> brew it for you. Yeah, and it'll turn out just it. great. A floofa. Jamil. No, I I, <laughs> I think I think a real good key. Is to have me or Jamil here, <laughs> Jamil, Jamil, uh, from the get-go yeah. with, with you. I'm going to say no. Uh, that defeats the purpose. You <laughs> no. all did it yourself, and I'm going to do it, too. No matter how many yeah, times well, it takes. No matter how many times there's, it there's takes. There's the matter of intelligence and talent. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the thing. That's gonna trying stop. to figure out which one of those I have. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen to the show, and that'll that'll give you everything you need to know in order to brew a Well, that's the thing. You guys, get the, you, know, uh, you guys get the luxury of actually listening to all this stuff. I'm looking through a, uh, a novel of questions as, as a lot of the answers are being given. I think about it sometimes. I'm like, wow, I really wish I could listen to this answer right now. And Me I'm too. like prepping the next answer. Danielle is reading the chat room. Room, and uh, I would have to listen to the archive. The problem with listening, I there can't. Uh, I, I do encourage the rest of you to check the, po- <laughs> the podcast and archive. But uh, for me, it's a you know, I would never broadcast again if I listened to every archive I did. I was talking to somebody yesterday who's done our show a couple of times, and he was talking about another show he did, and he went home and listened to it, and he just kicked himself in the head all night about saying different things. And I said, yeah. I'm going to give you some advice. Don't listen. <laughs> all right? I, I don't listen to me it's, again. It's tough, man. No, see, it now makes I, you I listen to everything, and, yeah, it makes you self-conscious, but it's the way you can improve. You can say, well, this is wrong. Well, uh, you know, It's the same thing, entering competitions. Uh, and I agree, right? and I've been through that, and I've been doing the broadcasting thing you know, for a while. So I've definitely gone through that phase that you've had to go through where you definitely listen to the stuff. Now you, you actually will get to the point where you can listen too much. I agree with you. You gotta sure. listen sure. and then you do get to the point where you listen too much and but you become you too li- self conscious. You can listen to me tell you about American <laughs> Pale Ale. That I would Don't do. listen to yourself. That's worthless. Yeah, huh? you're right. I will absolutely be very interested in listening to the American 
Palo. Jamil show, which is one week from tomorrow. And in fact, uh, Jamil, just so you know, I listen to every minute of every Jamil show. Not while I'm doing it with you, but I, I always go back and listen to the archive because it is good information. And you all should tune into that. He really picks apart every style. And what I really like is at the end, then he kind of gives you a quick thing where he, he just says, here, here's what I would do. And it gives you a, yeah. a good recipe and tells you what he would do. And so even in brief form, if you can't listen to the whole thing, go ahead and skip ahead to the end and see what Jamil would do. It's great advice well, all the time. It's all content. Yeah. And if you really want to know about a certain style, you want to know the ins and outs and yeah. what's going to make or break it, yeah. it's all content. That's so right. So you, you need to listen to it maybe a couple of times to listen to every little thing that comes through. Uh, Absolutely right. So and, two and weeks, or a week from tomorrow, mm-hmm. sorry. And Jamil's great about, uh, oh, if you didn't get something, shoot him an email. He'll, he'll, he'll clarify it for you. He will. He'll answer all your questions. And Doc will do the same. You can get them both at the Brewing Network addresses, Jamil at thebrewingnetwork.com and Doc at thebrewingnetwork.com. And if you want to talk to our official Drunk of the Week, go ahead to Daniela <laughs> at thebrewingnetwork.com, and she could answer whatever questions she you looks, might have. She looks just so... Well, somebody's just submitting a joke. All right. Okay. Uh, you want to read the joke? To, we'd love, you, love to have you here. You want to read it? Read that joke. Come on. Go. Oh. <laughs> okay. All right. I go, okay. Three guys are working on the top of a 500-foot radio tower. Uh-huh. One falls off, and the other two guys see an ambulance take him away. So they say one of us has to tell his wife he's dead. And one guy says, I'll do it. So he leaves and comes back two hours later carrying a case of beer. The guy says, did you tell her? Yes, where do you think I got the beer from? What? You tell the woman her husband is dead and she gives you a beer? Well, not exactly. She came to the door and I said, you must be Steve's widow. She said, no, I'm not a widow. I bet you a case you are. <laughs> <laughs> not bad. Not oh, bad. that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Well, everybody, thanks for tuning in and hanging out with the Brewcasters on another good Sunday. It looks like next week, Doc, uh, we're going. Are you here next week? Is it next week? It's the ninth. Pro- probably not, unless something changes. Yeah, it's the ninth. That's right. You're, you're yeah. not going to be here. Okay, we'll work that out. It looks like we've got actually Y Yeast on the show, another yeast show, okay. but the other big company. So we're going to be talking about uh, another another good show of great yeast information with Y Yeast Yeast Company. I will confirm that for you guys this week. I'll put it up on the main page, and you can check it out because we're just waiting confirmation. Jamil, thanks for coming in and hanging out with us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And one week from tomorrow will be the American Pale Ale Show, the Jamil Show, Mondays, every uh, every other Monday, 10 a.m. on the Brewing Network. He's a friend of mine. That's right. All right, thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next week right here on the Sunday Live Show. They should know how to get down. Double and triple on my best friend. I think I'll have them all over again. But don't you give me that American crew. For the one a real homebrew. Homebrew, don't you really love that a homebrew? Can't get enough of it. Homebrew, it blows my mind. I love homebrew all of the time. Yeah, I think I'll have me. Well, I'll have me one right now.
Well, I'm the one right now. 